0: Right. And we're off. Right. I almost hit end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go, buddy. Got it. I think I need to make one for myself and then just have like something on the side.
2: You look like you boys doing a lot of
1: action. did it at the same damn time. Oh my god. I. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that has got to be my favorite thing on your soundboard, buddy. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's
0: good. I've All got right, balls
3: so. of steel.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, shake it, baby! I should add a bunch of Duke Nukem in here.
3: Who wants some? I
0: got a whole bunch. I'm Here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. <laughs>
3: Half man, half animal, all dead. <laughs> Call me now for your free whipping. Yeah, right? a piece of cake. Is that me? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh huh. Blow it out your ass. Come uh, get some. Uh, cool. Time to kick some ass. There's no way that's Damn, me. Damn. Is that me? You're ugly. Not you. <laughs> I'm good. Damn, that was annoying. Damn, you're I just ugly. YouTube <laughs> die, you son of a bitch. Eat shit and die
4: i'm <laughs> wasted
3: game over get back to work you slacker get that crap out of here go ahead make my day hail to the king baby there Hello,
0: hi now did you you've seen they live <sighs> yes i have did you see they live before or after you're familiar with duke nukem <sighs> i saw it after Me too. So when he walks into the bank and says, it's time to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble gum, did you lose your shit like I did? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my God, it's Duke Nukem. And then I realized, oh my God, Duke Nukem's wearing sunglasses.
1: It's the whole thing. Right. But yeah, yeah, it was the other way around. But you and I grew up in the 90s, and we didn't, I don't know why I wasn't ever exposed to that film earlier.
0: Me neither. I think I caught it on TV one time, and I was just like, what is this? Okay, I'll watch it, whatever. Right. And, uh, yeah, and,
1: oh uh, uh, gosh, and I'm thinking it's not, uh, oh man, I mean, I'm going to, I have to look it up now. Uh, it is not Carl Weathers. It is Keith David, Mr. Keith. Oh, David. Oh, that's right. Him, Him and the Roddy. Guy that they, it's Keith David and Roddy
0: Rod Piper. Yeah, and they have, have the that, that fight, fight scene that like I goes through. I forgot that was
1: Keith David. That's great. Three or
0: four I love different, Keith different David. Scenes. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Keith David's great. He's uh, he, he's one of my favorite Disney villains. He's Doctor Facilier, and uh, oh yes, he is. The Princess and the Frog. Yeah, and then he's also in. Uh, is it um uh, something about Mary? Was it the pork or the beans? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, in his in his zipper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's good. That's that's good people right there. Yeah. Um, th- he's still with us, right? Yep, he is. Okay, good. He's still with us. Uh, Sixty six years young. Yeah. Hell yeah! Well, um, here we are, uh, another uh, fine episode, and uh, I just got back from Phoenix, like I said, and uh, and we I took the kids to the Grand Canyon and had a date nights and and all that stuff. had a had a good old time, and I almost took Susie. I almost dragged her to the Circle K that's getting torn down, and Aww. then I almost dragged her to Stinkweed's Records. We just didn't end up on that side of town at all. And then there were people I wanted to see. I didn't get to see. Some family we didn't get to see But uh, for the most part we got to see We got to do do all the things we wanted to do But we didn't sure. get to see everybody um, And uh, yeah man You know how it is uh, um, And I almost wanted to uh, uh, I really wanted to see my Aunt Vicky Because she's um, She's a uh, chiropractor And I feel like I got a, I got a, like a weird hip thing And a, I would have loved for her oh, to get adjust that insight
1: me. right Yeah, yeah. and it would have been insight. nice to
0: see her and her son Mesa <laughs> this is jimmy pod oh god damn it again (laughs) okay i gotta get used to doing it this way Uh, my aunt does not i don't have a cousin named mesa um but i i didn't want to just say how we didn't go to anderson mesa yeah we didn't too cheap Um, that's justin level yeah i uh i came up with that at last minute i didn't even wait to ask or see if you had a pun um so I'm sorry if I railroaded you there.
1: Nope. Uh, I realized where you were going right around the time you started saying we went to Arizona. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah, you right. got it. But he's then I didn't it. go there, right? But did yeah, you know you that I was going to go Anderson? I, I, did. I was like, I was going to say, are you going to feed me and your son? Oh, you know, but I couldn't figure out how I would get Mesa in there. But you did it, man. <laughs> you invented a human being. So
0: yeah, uh, this week is Anderson Mesa. There was way more. Uh, we're we're uh, peek behind the curtain. We're recording this right after, um, whatever the last song we literally just finished. And battery acid. Um, yeah, and so I did the research, and there was so much more on this yeah. than I thought, so I just wanted to jump straight into it. But I do have housekeeping, even though we're recording. I left some other things. There is a uh, uh, a post up on the Reddit uh, 11 days ago from Professor Mac. Did you see this? Novel with Jimmy Eat World in it. A friend of mine wrote a novel. Oh, yeah. Wrote a novel where Jimmy Eat World is the main character's favorite band because we're obsessed with them, and that whole scene growing up, uh, but the idiot had the title of Bleed American Wrong. Still, I love him anyway, and it was cool to see the references to the stuff from the late 90s, early 2000s music. Got me going back through all my old ripped CDs and realized I didn't have the full MP3s of Clarity, so I bought it. It feels like two different albums in a way. First half and second half. I know there's no spam, so no posting of the book itself. Well, I was like, no, I need to know what this book is so we can go ahead and figure it out. I got the Amazon link. The book is called If You Find Emery Walden. It's paperback, released April 10th, 2020 by James Wallace Birch, who is now following us, and I would love to have James on the podcast soon, and we can go through this book and and, uh, and,
5: uh, get here here. Oh look, I have a listen here, let's see what happens when I click listen on uh, I was sitting on the kitchen counter without any shoes on, staring at the junk drawer I wasn't even seeing it in front of me really, I was staring through it but the concept of it was there in my mind, this is on Amazon, I could see a series of scenarios playing out each a little scene that I was watching, as though I was sitting in the dark, staring at an old slide projector. Should I get down and open it? I saw that scene. I saw all the little actions leading up to it, one flashing slide at a time. Click. But I didn't move. If I did open that drawer, I wasn't sure where I'd stop, or if I'd stop. Opening that drawer was like opening the past, and all the junk that I'd shoved inside and tried to hide would come pouring out. I had put it in there. I had closed the drawer. I had tried to turn away. And yet here I was, staring. So I took a swig from the bottle I was holding. Click. As the gin fell down my throat like a torch falling into a well, something my wife used to say to me appeared on the next mental slide. Cultivate a mind that clings to nothing. Just then, the little scene in front of me was shattered by a sound of a knock at my apartment door. I was back in the kitchen of that apartment. That shitty apartment. My surroundings no longer protected by my thoughts.
0: I have no idea how long that preview is going to be. There's no, like, <laughs> thing. So yeah. I was like, oh, let me find a, a thing. Uh, but anyway, this uh, this uh, book, I want to find out more about it. Um, and uh, it's got seven reviews, all five stars. So uh, doing so far so well. Good. Uh, on the uh, Amazons. Uh, and let's see. Oh, I <laughs> we got a voicemail from Ben Foote that we missed somehow because he sent it and uh when we went to go listen to it it was gone so i reached out to ben and he went ahead and sent it again so i thought we would listen to ben foot oh good oh, it was a voice message that he sent yes oh so
1: that makes more sense i thought you were Two talking minutes, about a dm uh,
0: it's one minute and 60 seconds according to dropbox um but uh, the math checks out david yeah uh, <laughs> this is his voicemail he left inspired by the chachi episode
6: Yes. What's up, fellas? This is your very much current fan, Ben Foot, checking in. You know, I really don't call or leave a voice memo unless i got something to say, which just means you guys, for the past 20 or so episodes, have just been nailing it. You Hell know? Yeah. <laughs> Either that or I haven't tuned in in a minute, but whatever you prefer to believe, that <laughs> is the truth, baby. Um, <laughs> so I was uh, hanging out with a friend who's one of those... I don't really like the middle, so I don't really like Jimmy World people. The worst, and so I, uh, I was like, oh man, you gotta you gotta check some of their other stuff out, some deeper cuts. He's a classic rock fan, and so congratulations End of pass the baby, beginning of surviving, all of those things. I was I was uh, letting him check out, and then later that day I was listening to Static and uh, came across Caveman, and that just made me think of you guys, and. I was just like, man, I haven't checked in in a minute, so tuned into Chachi, and <laughs> boom, I get a shout out. Awesome, nice. Chachi and Cars still, I unironically love those tunes. Chachi, Cars, patches, reason. I think Usury has like a really really cool uh, intro, and um, yeah, I mean those those make that album legitimately good. At least in my eyes, and uh, and I'm glad it's getting the love on your guys's pods. So, and so cool that you got Mitch Porter of Jimmy Eat World on the man. You guys are you guys are really doing it. Next stop, Jim Atkins. He made a promise.
3: He's got to follow through. I love him. And I'm
6: going to hold him to it. So yeah, I just uh, wanted yeah. to thanks Ben. Uh, just wanted to check in with you guys. Say that you guys are That's crushing sweet. it, and yeah. And that Ben uh, Loves Chachi. Okay, oh, ben. catch you later.
1: Bye. Thank you, current fan of the pod, <laughs> Ben Vent. <laughs> we'll let we'll you get, know when Jim's we'll, we'll, we'll get him on Monday, buddy. Yeah, are still, still working on that. We believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, I did have to ride the gain
0: on that a little bit. Um, it's all right. It sounded so, fine on this end. <laughs> yeah, man. I love that he named the uh, – let me tell you what he named the uh, – The the M4A. It's Chachi featuring Benfoot of Jimmy E Pod is the name of the uh, audio file. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That's what it was. Uh, So we got Uh a book. We've got a voicemail. (sighs) And then a... uh, I don't know if the guest on this episode or the next episode. It's a very special guest. Everyone who listens to this pod will know the name. um, Oh, man. uh, Very excited. And we're very excited. And he's very excited to be on the show. So that's exciting. Um, So the song... uh, Any housekeeping... Uh, from you.
1: No, no, man. I'm good, man. I, I, we were caught up. I'm glad you had something.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, The song is Anderson Mesa. The album is Static Prevails. It's track 12 of 12, released July 23rd, 1996, produced by Mark Trombino, Wes, Rights of the Accused Kid, and Jimmy Eat World. And the re-release producer, the re-issue producer, was Chris Clow and Dave English. And again, this Dave English guy. Did I go to first and second grade with this guy? I just don't know. I don't think so. I couldn't find him on social media, (laughs) but his credits don't go back that far. Like, he his one of his oldest things was from two thousand two. So I just don't know. Is it possible that this band se felt Well, um, look, I'll tell you this: it's possible,
1: yeah. possible, but it's also possible that two people named Dave English operate okay. in the same industry. I don't know, man. uh, uh so anyway, uh,
0: <laughs> recorded at Sound City and Big Fish. Uh, written by Jimmy Eat World. Singer is uh, Jim. Uh, drums. Uh, so here, here's. I don't know what a concertina is. Um, I know you found it was like a. Uh, it's a hexagonal. It like
1: a, uh, uh,
0: uh, uh, yeah. Um, thing. Let's let's look at this. How it, to it's play very much concertina. like an accordion. It's a it's Hi, a yeah, it's a Bob squeeze box. Here's Folk Bob Johnson and telling and us store. how to do it.
4: And is this like ASMR? Or is this? How to play the Hayden Duet concertina. Hmm. I sell the stodgy duet concertina. It has a beautiful sound. And in my opinion, the duet concertina is... All right, let's jump and forward here. Oh I'm boy. The just, just so you can open and close it. There we go. First three buttons and then the first four buttons in the second row. And the C... It's very, very French. Yeah, totally. Middle
0: C... When I'm in the mood for some bread, flat. dude. I'm going to jump forward. I want to really see him getting at it. When you're, when you is have he going to rip it, you instrument? think? And I love that. Yeah, not, like, here's, here's a peek okay. of. Uh, Same whole stream. Yeah, it, it's like the porn sites um, now. YouTube will show you where the interest in the video we'll is. Talk about the um, a little more. <laughs> yeah, you can <laughs> see the little the art, yeah, so you, you can, can see, see where see it gets
1: the popular. Here it comes. What the hell do you know that I don't, David? All right.
4: Now, we said we're playing this in G here's the g note the g note is the second button and the is second
1: he extra breathy i can't see what he's so doing but is he right breathing a lot
4: no
0: that's he's
1: opening and closing so it a
0: lot without hitting the similar. notes yeah, so wow. it's just making a lot of breath okay,
4: okay. <laughs> all right so this g however is lower than the other one
0: no he's uh, is he sweating david i can't see it. so it's
4: really point. tight on his lap <laughs> Now, the full G chord. Ooh, a full G. So I love that feature. Any chord. Ah, he has a major oh, right there. Yeah. I haven't jumped to two of 10 minutes in. in let's let's Blue Moon. Oh! Let's hmm. try to add that E minor chord.
0: All right, so we know what a concertina is now. I don't know if this <laughs> song has concertina on it or not, but Zach Lynn played it if he did, because uh, he plays drums, accordion, and concertina on this uh-huh. record. Uh, Mark Turbina plays plays the Moog synthesizer, and Sarah Pond plays violin. And on this, we hear a couple violin tracks, and we think it, maybe she it, it overdubbed is. a little bit. It's a Capitol Records release published by, okay, get this, I had a theory recently, and uh-huh. it, this follows through. All right. When the original record came out in 96, this was published by An Industry for Outer Space. When it was re-released in 2007, it was published by Turkey on Rhyme Music. Okay. Now the ASCAP website has it as a Do I Get a Pickle with That track. So this has fallen under all three uh, major publishing outlets that the band has utilized in the past uh, or publishing names that the band has utilized in the past. So, um, uh, take, take, I, I I will take the win, I guess on my theory of the publishing is always based on the current release, right. Or the current publishing arm, uh, right.
1: Whoever is that is the holder the publishing. Yeah. Entity.
0: (laughs) So it's no longer an industry for outer space. Uh, that makes it so difficult old. if that's the only copy of the record you have is from 1996 and you want to go, uh, you need to license a song and you need to go find out who who right. is licensing for it. Um, anyway, uh, no demo that I could find unless you found one. Mm-mm. Nope. nope. Uh, played four times that we know of. November 12th, 1998 at Hardback Cafe in Gainesville, Florida is the... Um, first however i believe i have a 1996 performance so at least five times then um and then december 10th 1999 at the green room in tempe arizona which we also have handy and um uh that is the last recorded version of the song that we have heard um notable high notes of a4 and g sharp 4 notable low notes of f sharp 3 and b flat 3 i love when we're all up in the sharps and flats and then um thousand listeners uh, amounts up to 149.7 thousand scrabbles, 13 of which are from me. Justin, how many times have you scrabbled the song Anderson Mesa? Fifteen. Nice. Yeah, just a little bit Two more than I. Um, (laughs) It's an album closer. I wrote Xylophone. Um, (laughs) It's an A major key, 11B Camelot, 122 BPM, 516 duration. That's all I have for the structure. And would
1: you like to go over the lyrics? Let's do that. Now, the lyrics, I was telling you earlier tonight, um, I'd say 40% of these lyrics are annotated, which just means there's a lot of repetition here. Yeah. Um, And this is one of those tracks. I I don't know. We're going to go through. We haven't done Usury yet. But I think there's going to be a deeper story with Usury than there is with Anderson Mesa. However, I do feel there is a parallel in between Mm. those two. But song meanings. And and again, song meanings and then anyone else. You have your it's up to you to to take what you want from these lyrics. However, I do feel that there is a certain type of loss associated with this. So let's go ahead and jump in. Oh, and real quick, I will be following along with the lyrics
0: from the old website, the archive, um, right? That the band put up themselves. Yes.
1: Thank you. So yeah, go ahead and correct me if I'm wrong on any of these. These came from Genius. Also corroborated, uh, these can't, These also looked the same on song meaning. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it fares. All right, here's the first verse. Don't leave without intentions. Don't leave without intentions. Mine's made up my own decision. Don't leave without intentions of ever coming back. Well, uh, the old website
0: only has don't leave without intentions of ever coming back as the first So yeah, there's a whole bunch of lyrics missing from the old website.
1: Especially, mine's made up my own decision. That's that's a very uh, unique one there. Uh, I think what they're saying is this is just a simple request to somebody to please rethink their decision. Whatever this choice is that they're making, uh, they have to consider that you can't leave without intentions of ever coming back. You can't leave and expect to come back with this type of decision. This is a final end all decision um aka never coming back so this is there's a lot there's a heaviness to this especially with the repetition three times of don't leave without intentions don't leave without intentions and then a breakup of mine's made up my own decision maybe from the perspective of this individual that they're trying to change the mind of yep. and then don't leave without intentions." so very serious already uh and the last line here that last uh Peace says, don't leave without intentions of ever coming back. So trying to really sell that. Then there's an entire repetition of this. That entire block, that first verse, now becomes the second verse. Same as the first. Then we jump into what? This isn't annotated. I didn't annotate this myself. So this came from genius without having any of these annotations. Vacation, you'd take them. If you wanted, you'll ask them. I think this is a reference to this individual who the narrator is speaking to just being a normal kid. They would take vacations just like everybody else. Uh, And the whole line about if you wanted, you'll ask them. I think that's very juvenile in saying if you wanted something, a toy, a gift, you'd ask them for it like your parents. Like It's that simple. That's how simple life was. a, A vacation, you would take a vacation. On summer break, you would go out on these vacations. You would... You would go to Anderson Mesa. You would go to Usery Park, wherever it was. And if you wanted something, you'd ask them. You'd ask your parents for whatever. So kind of just looking back on the earlier innocent years of this, uh, this recipient of the narrator's conversation here. Then we've got the next set of lyrics that are different. These ones seem to ring real true with a lot of people across social media. Song meanings, a lot of people quoted this, these lines here. A lot of people in the subreddit that mention these lines. And they go as thus. Alone, I'm outside. Red sky, I wait there. Snowfall above me. So new, yet fading. I think those lyrics, as short as they are, no more than five lyrics in a line. So there's two lines that have just three lyrics and three lines. I'm sorry, three words. Alone, I'm outside. Red sky, I wait there. Snowfall above me so new yet fading. I think what they're saying is he's there, but not this other person. He's alone in this moment. Maybe this is the reflection on what had happened after or in between this conversation that they had in that first line and and that second time of just this individual thinking in, in their head, vacations, you took them. And if you wanted something, you'd ask them. So this individual isn't there anymore. So it's out, it's him out there, the narrator alone with this red sky which in my eyes the sky could represent a dream world or like sadness. Like red skies don't necessarily represent positivity. Um and then the snowfall. The snowfall I think is a really good image. That snow fading shows how precious and delicate beautiful things like life can be. So snowfall above me, which might be beautiful looking at it fall but it just fades. So new yet fading. So this this fresh snow that fell is now these droplets of water on the ground that you can't even see anymore. So it's just from this beauty to this gone. Um, and just the fleetingness of life is what this whole section here is. Alone, I'm outside. It's not me and this person anymore. Red sky, I wait there. I'm waiting for you in this turmoil, this, this scene that I've created here and the snowfall above me, so new yet fading. Damn, man. Jim and his lyrics, I swear. Then we have that again, that repeated. And then we've got vacation. I, told, I know I told you that he says vacation five times. This last, seven times, I'm sorry, seven. This last block, he says vacation, you'd take them. If you wanted, you'll ask them. Four other times.
0: Yeah. And so and so only far my The old lyrics is you'd
1: uh-huh. ask them instead of you'll ask them. Okay. You'll ask them. You'd ask them. And that's, I, I think if you wanted, it would make sense to have you'd. Right. If you wanted, right. you'll ask them. If you wanted it, you'll ask them. I think that's like kind of being in the present. Yeah. And you're saying, if you wanted it, you'll ask them. But I like that. I like that the liner notes there or the original lyrics have that. The very last three lines, though, um, kind of wrap up the track here. And they go like this. Run around or jump the fence, graveyard. Run around or jump the... And then it just cuts. The song just... That's it. That's what Jim says. Uh in my, in my eyes I see this as them being young kids. They're referencing them being young, uh innocent, like they were teenagers. And the graveyard could represent a fun place they used to frequent, like let's say you know like a you know, you, you ever bro- you broke into places, right? Uh yeah. Yeah, see I broke into places too. I mean, it was a the an old theater. Urban exploring is what yeah, they call. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, I was I was scared out of my freaking mind. Oh, yeah. Yelling at my friends that were trying to get me to go in there. I said, guys, they're going to catch us. <laughs> um, but I stuck with them and kind of went through, which was cool. But when we got out, no one was there to stop us. But it was of really course. cool to see an abandoned theater. Uh, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. So this could represent the graveyard as being a fun place that they used to frequent. Or it could be the final resting place of this individual. So, yeah, somewhere- I think I remember. I think I have a blurb on it later, but I think I know what the source of that is
0: okay well yeah, yeah the only it's it's sort of like in a different order on the old website uh-huh. um it just says graveyard run around or jump the fence don't leave without intentions of ever coming back um but that's just an interesting uh, all those lyrics are in there just not in that order
1: right and having them in that order is it's it's interesting because now there are those lyrics that are at the very beginning of this track are now married mm-hmm. in with these ones at the end and when you read them like that, don't leave without intentions of ever coming back. It almost seems like you're having this conversation with the spirit that's never going to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you wanted to take that spirit and say that's the individual that lived here, that was ex- that existed, that was a human being, and now they've ceased to exist. It's it. It's not. It's not a love song. I think this is a song about loss. It, it, if it has to do with someone that lost their life. Or if it has to do with somebody trying to convince a friend to come back from you know being in a dark place. Either way, you could you could take it both ways. You could glean both, I think. Uh, Anderson Mesa, though, the title of it doesn't necessarily have any association that I could glean from the lyrics. Other than maybe in that middle bridge where it says, alone, I'm outside, red sky, I wait, there's snowfall above me. So new yet fading. I do know. David, because I have family in Flagstaff that it does snow there often. Yes. And so you could be on Anderson Mesa and certainly see some snowfall there. Absolutely. In Arizona. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
0: the other thing I liked uh, just to talk about the lyrics here, there's a note on the old uh, or on one of the versions of the archive site that says, uh, note that Tom's lyrics are not up due to his slacking to give them to me. You can send completes to Tom at, and it gives his AOL email address here. <laughs> Sick. Which <is> great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, lastly, on top of that, the old uh, JimmyEatPod.net website used to link to, or not Jimmy Pod. I think it was Jimmy World Online, linked to a lyrics site that was put up by user Peniquesa Bio, Peniquesabio, P E N I Q U E S A B I O uh Bayo. Um uh they put the lyrics up on a GeoCities site that are, that's still at least active on the uh Wayback Machine. But it says as as I'm sure most of you know, the songs that Jim wrote are his own words from their own site. I tried to write out the words to those Tom to those Tom wrote Hopefully, I didn't too, do too badly. If anyone wants to correct me on anything, contact Beth on the contact page. <laughs> Once again, the words in brackets are probably wrong, but I wanted to at least write something. So that means that the version of the cached Jimmy Eat World online site I found was from when only Jim's lyrics for Static Prevail were. Ah. Out, and she had to fill in the Tom lyrics as best she could. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. I wonder, I'm gonna search this user, Penicesabio. Uh oh boy. This doesn't take me anywhere good. I mean, <laughs> uh, useful anyway. Um, yeah, nothing coming up. But yeah, uh, there it is. Okay. And uh and now we can dive into track
1: notes. Uh, do you have anything? Let's see. Uh, what do I got I for track, cool notes. Stuff um, got- <laughs> track notes? Um I've got oh, as far as track notes. Um, aside from this being considered their first epic album, ender, you already mentioned that, but there's, I never thought of it like that. Cause it's, it's five minutes. So it's definitely, I, I don't know if there's a, if there's a, a line hmm. that, um, people say after five minutes, that's a, that, that's a song that's like,
0: I think for, uh, here's the thing is they were not yet a pop punk band, right? Uh, they were a punk band who was doing sort of like a more introspective thing here. Um, but so, you know, uh, let's look at the track lengths on this record and see. Um, yeah, you got 252, 340, 348, 301, 429.
1: It's the longest song on... Uh, no, Digits is longer. Really? Digits at is longer? 729, yeah. There we go. Okay, well, I mean, it's it's one of those where people... And when we get to the community stuff, and I'll read that in uh, in Reddit, there's a lot of people that mention it being... Like the first epic album, Ender. Um, but if Digits is longer, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily. I think I think what it is is that people hear it. They've heard 23, they've heard mixtape, mm-hmm. they've heard these other big epic ones. Um, and then they think, oh, well, you know, maybe they've been doing this all along. So I think it fits. I'd say 50 50, it fits. Yeah. One of the. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, And then we've got the other thing that I have another stat about this. Like yours is way better. I like it. You had stuff from, from the archive was just the uh, I wanted to know how close Anderson Mesa was to usury park. And it is not close at all. So mm, yeah. Anderson Mesa is way up in Flagstaff and then one hundred and forty three miles down is usury park, which is oh, close you, it's to, 140.
0: You got it down to the mile.
1: That's you cool. bet. Yeah, man, I checked it, dude. Um, I, I googled that. <laughs> and so it's, and so Usury Park is where he went to high school, that area. Yep. Anderson Mace is where, around where Jim went to college, right? With we talk yep. Wyatt Pine, Pine Wyatt? Pine Wyatt. Pine Wyatt. Uh, yep. Yeah, Pine Wyatt, that band, um, those guys who have photographic evidence. Well, so interesting.
0: So yeah, uh, Anderson Mace is a little more west uh, of Flagstaff than I thought. I thought it was in Flagstaff where the Lowell Observatory is, but maybe the Lowell Observatory isn't up on Anderson Mesa, but I guess I thought, I'd only been up to Lowell once, let's see, let's see if I can put it in here, Goddamn swift apps, all right, Mars Road, oh yeah, see, I'm gonna have to, I have a, I have an entry
1: here, but Lowell Observatory is in Flagstaff, Anderson Mesa is not. Um, it's a big, it's, okay, let me go back to this. So Anderson Mesa, yeah. let's talk about Anderson Mesa for a second. Anderson Mesa is approximately five mesas long, located 20 miles southeast of Flagstaff, Mer- Flagstaff Arizona, United States, east of Lake Mary, which set me off because that Lake Mary road is where you use that to get to my aunt and uncle's place. It's a long dirt mm-hmm. road. Uh, and north of Mormon Lake in Cocosino, Coconino, I apologize, Coconino County. Uh, this Mesa landform with an elevation yeah. of 6,200 to 7,200 feet has been the site of the observatory. Uh, yeah, and there's the Mesa Anderson
0: Station. Mesa Station and then Anderson Mesa proper, I guess, is what I'm running into a weird thing okay. about.
1: Um, Doesn't have any kind of distinction that, to that degree.
0: Yeah. I'm putting Anderson Mesa Station versus Anderson Mesa. Anderson Mesa Obs- Station Observatory is permanently closed.
1: And the last thing here, the last, uh, the fourth little uh citation it has here or annotation is uh it is also the inspiration for the 1996 jimmy world song of the same title nice so it's in there yeah on wikipedia itself
0: yeah i think uh it just pops up in a weird spot on apple maps for some reason because hmm. yeah everything else is yeah pointing like you said to uh flagstaff so pardon my uh pardon my thing anyway
1: okay um, so anyway, as far as track notes go, that was it. So just talking about the album ender, which we'll discuss a little bit when we get into community, but also the the distance. I thought there was going to be some kind of association with it and Usury Park with the idea of the concept of loss in this mm-hmm. when we get into that track. Uh, but there was not. That's a, that's a big distance in between two, these two locations. Yeah. That's what I got. So here's, here's what I got from Wikipedia. The closing track
0: Anderson Mesa features a string arrangement. It's title references the observatory of the same name. Adkins says it's about him leaving, uh, living in Flagstaff, Arizona, where he previously attended college p- prior to dropping out. Uh, and then there's a bit, I've been to the Lowell Observatory, um, which, uh, shows up when you look up Anderson Mesa station. Um, it was established in 1959 as a dark sky observing site for Lowell Observatory. It's located at Anderson Mesa in Co- Co- Coconino. I Coconino. I want to say Cocosino, County. but it's Coconino. Yeah. Coconino County, Arizona, about 12 miles. south. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and we actually drove by all of that when we went up to the Grand Canyon. Um, there's a big fire going up uh, there right now. We stopped at Target on our way <laughs> into the Grand Canyon and... Uh, and I'm sitting there looking at the mountain while Susie's in Target and I'm like, that is a huge fire. And uh, I had talked to a guy at Costco a few days later and he was saying, yeah, some guy was up there illegally camping. Uh, oh, after he used the restroom, he used some toilet paper, did not want to litter. So he lit the toilet paper on fire and no! it, caught- <laughs> yeah, it's, it burned like 20, 25,000 acres or something crazy like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. They caught the guy at, like five hours later and I'm sure he wasn't trying to, you know be an arsonist but right uh, damn yeah. twenty five thousand acres from one yeah, little man.
1: lit piece of tp yep not cool i mean um best best intentions right
0: <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> yikes there's a couple blurbs one of which is from the track by track and so here's what they said about anderson mesa
1: um, actually,
0: it goes back and forth between a few people. You want to you want to A.B. this? Let's do uh, this, quick, man. Let me I want go some ahead and send this on, to Jimmy
1: you. Pot Theater. I'm always
0: game. <laughs> all right. So why don't you be uh, Tom and I'll be Jim? Ooh. And uh, why don't you be Tom and Zach? <laughs> all right. Sounds good, man. Uh, Anderson Mesa is just about living in Flagstaff where I was going to college before I dropped out for rock and roll. And all this stuff happened.
1: This is my favorite song from Static Prevails. We went all out with the strings and bells. My favorite Jimmy Eat World songs are usually the ending songs, like this and Goodbye, Sky Harbor. That was our first time recording strings. A friend of mine who I went to high school with, Sarah Pont, I'm assuming, uh, <laughs> came in and played the strings. She was great. Anderson Mesa was a little bit of a departure for us, and it was a challenging song to record, but I'm pretty proud of how he pulled it off.
0: Static Prevails is the core of what we are. For the relative who doesn't know anything about music and asks, oh, you play in a band? What does it sound like? I would describe us as guitar playing based melodic rock. And that's 100% what Static Prevails is.
1: Static Prevails was the first step in us really learning how to make an album. It's the first one we made where we really had the strong melodies and compelling vocal performances from both guys. And that's, I think, carried through even to today. And we learned so much from Mark Trombino. I think we realized after making Static Prevails that there was just so much we didn't understand and so much we weren't prepared for. And that fed into our desire to get better. That's something that will always influence us now and in the future. It's all part of the journey. Yep.
0: And that was uh, an interview conducted uh, for the Bandbox Zine May of 2021. Um, So, yeah, really, really cool um blurb from right. the track by track and then there's even still another really cool little blurb um that i copied and pasted here uh from the end of the static prevails uh, article here looking back 25 years on the kooky clamorous static prevails indeed found jimmy eat world at quite a fascinating juncture All the hallmarks of the emo pioneers sonic footprint are there in nascent form filtered through the lens of the DIY post hardcore scene that birthed them and early contemporaries like the promise ring and mineral, the urgent screams of thinking that's all foreshadowing bleed Americans titular opening salvo. While the delicate Claire hints to where the quartet was headed on the genre defining clarity and Anderson Mesa, a mountain of a closer serves as the blueprint for future thrilling finales like 23. Oh,
1: I didn't have it handy. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> damn. We'll get it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I know. Well, I know I was going to say. <laughs> damn. When you mentioned... Uh, Digits having like what seven minutes for that track seven and and a half minutes yeah and and Zach here commenting I by the way if you couldn't tell Tom was the deeper voiced one right and then Zach was the little bit higher one Uh, although he says she was great Uh, Anderson Mesa was a little bit of a departure for us and it was challenging song to record but I'm pretty proud of how we pulled it off I wonder at what moment they thought hey maybe these big these big song like album enders are going to be our thing and then you know I don't know if that was any kind of motivation for 23 but it did yeah. precede it and it, like you get to put a and b together like yeah, maybe totally. they thought this is going to be our thing there aren't a lot of bands that do this kind of like humongous yeah. song on the end like rock bands do i think there's a lot of uh between maybe not weezer as much but more foo fighters have done it or they've had a mm-hmm. bigger song at the end yeah well, like the five at least the five minute song
0: yeah here Here's a little blurb that at the end of that little bit um, about static prevails uh in particular for bandbox that recounts I believe speaking of uh sort of predecessor uh things when Jim was on the show, he talked about when they wrote over and he mentioned, oh, we played the show in Colorado at the Arapaho warehouse, and it was this place that all our friends lived and all this stuff dude. They talk about that show here. Not yeah. that anyone noticed when Static Prevails was quietly unveiled in July of 1996. Um, it says, Jim, the day Static Prevails was released, we're playing a gig at the Arapaho Street Warehouse in Denver that our friends in Christy Front Drive had set up for us, Adkin tells. It just happened to correspond with the record release date, and they were pro- there were probably 30 people there. I remember saying something on stage like, we tricked you guys into being at a major label <laughs> record release party. The joke was on everyone else, nearly 30 years and 10 albums in, Jimmy Eat World Prevails. Just like Static, um, but pretty funny that I just listened back to the Jim interview and he talks about that show being the one that they wrote over at and yeah. they played it that night. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, it all just coalesces. Yeah. All this, I love it. <laughs> then there's a couple consequence of sound blurbs from those. How Jimmy Eat World is this album? So in the lots of small ideas section for Static Prevails, it says the band ain't saying. Uh, see, Jimmy says words below, uh, but the lyric will take a trip of no return to outer space leads us to believe that episode four is an nod to Star Wars. And Anderson Mesa refers, of course, to the landforms of the same name in Jimmy World's home state of Arizona in the site of an observatory as well. It's the site of an observatory as well as astronomical inferiomom- uh, interferometer. Whatever that is. Um, So that's one consequence sound blurb. And uh, the other is Tom Eats World 2. As if taking note from fans, ultimately, uh, and ultimately, Tourmates Blink 182, Jimmy World splits the workload straight down the middle between their two respective vocalists. Rockstar 17, Episode 4, Caveman, and Robot Factory are Linton's, Claire Digits World Static in the same room, and Anderson Mesa are Adkins's. Uh, they are more or less shout singing, thinking that's all and call it in the air. Um, one thing that I noticed that didn't come through in any of these, and I just don't recall where Jim talked about this. He specifically has mentioned in the past that sometimes he would take a shortcut through the graveyard in Flagstaff on his way to class. And in the snow, when it was fresh in the ground, he would leave footprints through the graveyard uh, when he would take it as a shortcut shortcut to class i thought that would have come up in any of these i don't remember where i saw or heard that um but i was sure any of these things i copied and pasted wouldn't have included some of that and it still hasn't um but the graveyard is
1: what jim used to take a shortcut through to go to class that is a very interesting effect <laughs> i would love right? to know now <laughs> where he mentioned that i mean it has to be i don't recall has to I have been search. on a podcast that you listen to well, yeah, 44JPod, if you know.
0: Yeah. Um, I've got Um in the Music Guide subreddit. Uh, it says, Anderson Mesa is still pretty raw from a production standpoint. The xylophones are slightly off-tempo. The violin sounds like it came in from a cheap Casio keyboard. Oh. But they seem to make it work. Hey, that's not nice about to say about Sarah, uh, Zach's friend from school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Billy Eat World has tabs on the old archived site, which is always fun to see uh, that old GeoCities uh, Jimmyworld.com linking directly to it. This says that the song is in standard tuning Anderson Mason from the
1: album static prevails standard tuning, E A D G B E. Hmm. Not a half step down. Look at that yep. vacation. You take <laughs> all I ever wanted. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, there's some tabs you can find. Uh, okay. So I got excited because I saw at least three tweets about Anderson Mesa from Zach Lynn. So here we go. Uh, this has to be Trombino's black beauty. For the snare on Anderson Mesa, hashtag Jimmy Eat World. This was posted July 23rd, 2021. I believe when they were doing the retrospective uh for that record. This has been 25 years uh retrospective. Uh Anderson Mesa. Jim, is this a real place near Flagstaff? Question mark at Jimmy Eat World, Hashtag Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World responds, yeah, it's where they have a giant telescope. Hashtag Jimmy Eat World, Jim. And Daniel Corey says, Road trip. Uh, or uh, Championless uh, <laughs> Dashboard from Confessional Reference to Tags Daniel Corey Road Trip Danielle says And oh yes Danielle Corey We know from the Facebook group Yes We'll listen to Anderson Mason The whole way Across the United States And Championless says OBS um, But uh, yeah I've had it in my head since yesterday it Made me smile Thinking of last night And reminded me of how much you love it uh, And this uh, Sun Devil Phil says It's off Lake Mary Road Just past uh upper lake mary and uh car Carrie dozer says you can camp with me okay it's not camp but it is in the woods and they post a picture of a woodsy uh this looks just like uh <laughs> your big bear cabin uh right yeah uh, they <laughs> you know, all right kind of look like that this
1: is a bunch yeah. of pine trees back there yep
0: and then ryan may uh ryan Mahone says dude talk about dynamics this song goes from beautiful to gut-wrenching and back seamlessly um and then here's some more, uh, Zach talking about, uh, track nine world static, static prevails intro drum part, probably heavily influenced by John Anderson from boys life. He's such a great drummer world is static hashtag Jimmy Eat world. And Joel K says, I've never noticed, but, uh, it, but now I totally hear it. Love the drumming on that first boys life album. Nice work. Um, so Yeah. More Anderson Mesa could be named after John Anderson. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so now, then, yeah, One
1: of the other notes that I have down here, well, you Mar- you mentioned uh, Mark Trembino with, with the snare drum is like I have written here: sweet marching snare with some sexy ghost notes. It's so prominent <laughs> that the snare is just up front. Yeah, and clean. Zach played so clean. Yeah, cleanly. Um, and uh, oh, the other thing I was gonna, I was going to mention is so my family that lives in Flagstaff, my uncle's an avid uh, astronomer. And so oh, he... It's a he, dark city, you know. It is very dark. And see, and he, when we were talking, when I was young, this was... I don't know if you could tell me this, this is the same year that uh, Men in Black came out. 97. 1997. I was out there in Flagstaff, Arizona with my family hanging out. We were out there. Uh, it was probably over the summer because I was on break. Um, and he showed me his observatory. And so his, nice. he built... This like a long shed. The whole wow. roof slid off. Dude, the whole damn thing slid off. And he had this microscope or microscope. He had a he had a telescope in the middle of it. And he told me this thing was fourteen thousand dollars. It was about, I want to say maybe like as a kid it seemed to be larger, but it was probably a foot in diameter. So a large, wow. yeah, a large telescope. Um, but he had it all tight, dialed in. You you put in the coordinates and the thing would move. Yeah, dude. And then you get so you had these great pictures of Jupiter, like really high resolution, large. That's cool, man. Format photos, but yeah, he was telling me that that's not the darkest place that he's. I mean, he loves Flagstaff, but he goes there's a darker place. Um, I can't remember if he said it was in Nevada or if it was in Arizona itself, but I mean, that, there's a reason. Well, I mean, there's why plenty
0: there's, of darker places, but, but he just said the city. darkest
1: place he's ever he's ever experienced on the planet. Like it was an area where there was no light pollution, yeah, of it course. Was, and it was yeah, somewhere yeah. like in the in the southwest of the United States. But Flagstaff, as a city,
0: has specifically designed all their street lights to not give off light pollution. But it's not to yeah. say that they're not near, Phoenix. they're close, they're too close to Phoenix to not get light pollution from right. Phoenix. So it's still just not in the middle of nowhere enough to get the dark. Right, skies. and he but, got
1: and he got some great shots out there. He didn't have any yeah. problems viewing it. It was and it was beautiful. I mean, when you go up there, it was like looking up in uh, Joshua yeah. Tree, where it's just. Yeah. You see the Milky Way. Yeah. Um, But still not the darkest place that he's ever been to.
0: Yeah. So now I'm going to jump to 4020 on this video and learn about why this is a
7: a (laughs) concept album. Yes. Jump over here. here Never done before, but I've had Here we go. Felt like she's just been forgotten. Maybe she, she wants revenge. So that's how we leave Claire. She's bitter, she's angry, and she's trying to fit back into the society where she came from. And then, final track of the album, Anderson Mesa, which is as close to clarity as, the, as this album comes, I believe. Maybe not on Jim's vocals, but if Jim, on this song, sang a bit cleaner, then it would sound like something off of clarity. But now we're back to the rock star. And there's obvious reference to him speaking as if to Claire... Don't leave without intentions of ever coming back. So obviously she's left, she's gone. And now he's sad about it. He's not angry, he's sad. Maybe he's come to some realisations, he's reflecting. So don't leave without intentions of ever coming back. Vacation. You take them if you wanted, you'd ask them. Alone, I'm outside. He wants her to come back. She thinks that, He thinks that maybe she'll come back eventually. Almost like she's gone on holiday. <laughs> Vacation. Again, reference, and don't leave without intentions of ever coming back. So he's stuck in this house he's created with the fence. Hence the line, run around or jump the fence. So that's maybe looking back at how he he saw uh, trapped in this area and considering jumping the fence that he's created, the fence that was created back in Caveman. See how it all links together? Maybe a bit tentative (laughs) at times, but I think it's, it's solid enough. The theory that I've got with this album that it makes a clear story and that's how we leave it, he's sad referencing fences <laughs> and that is the rock opera, Static Prevails by Jimmy Eat
1: World um- <laughs> referencing fences, that's how it concludes it. <laughs> that's
0: it that's it baby uh, so that is the last little thing I have for track notes, is, is this concept album, that's the end of that part for the concept album uh i don't have anything from reviews or articles uh or anything like that um i have a few links for community if you have okay. anything yeah hit, hit me with what
1: you got I'm, I'm opening mine up right now
0: well mine is always the shout box i like to go to that last fm shout out some people uh what a great closer love the passion says mj <laughs> uh, don't leave it without intentions of ever coming back says ket ket paver um, I mean, most people just calling out the lyrics. Ket Pever says, "Ah, always come back to this song. That's cute, kinda, but it hurts." Um, so bloody cigarette says, "That's cute." Um, yeah, Ket Paver always in here. Uh, amazing, love them forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this is Tom singing, screaming, crying. Not Jim says, "The created void one," but uh, screaming, crying. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Jim. <laughs> it is,
1: but it's just, yeah. I mean, the, the way that they describe it, though.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess, but I just don't, I guess, I guess I don't get the crying part of it. Like he's just yeah. being, uh, maybe, yeah, it's emo. It's emo music. This is, yeah. Scum Hunter to... says, no
0: words for this, guys. Pure ponage. just like Hear You Me, but even more sad.
1: Scum Hunter.
0: <laughs> okay, here's a nice one that's long, uh, longish. Uh, this is uh, Kaylee Eat World, uh, January 12th, 2009. One of the most beautiful and most touching songs I've ever heard. I believe there's no other song in which Jim expresses his emotions better than this one uh, by singing and screaming and almost whining or crying by the end. The outro with two guitars is absolutely stunning. Um, so there it is. That is the the cool shout box stuff that I found. Sweet. Um, yeah. Um, what uh, did I find for... Oh, uh when Jimmy Eat World posted about this for the 25th anniversary, there were a few uh, responses here. One was uh, Danielle Corey, my favorite Jimmy Eat World song of all time. It's my morning alarm. Sometimes I listen to it 37 times in a row. Ryan Mahone says, The Master. Uh, Chris Barnes says, Every chance this is the best song on the album. Loved this. So uh, there are the people uh, that responded. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I was just, okay. Uh, I was just going to say I've got uh, just a few links from Reddit here. Uh, the first one is from a poll just a month ago from Exile on Dayton Street. And uh, random poll, Anderson Mesa versus Evidence. And then they go on to describe the tracks here. Uh, Anderson Mesa, closing track off of Static Prevails. Also probably the one track that gave the most hints as to what was coming on to their next album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim with the lead vocals and a smattering of strings in the mix. The only credited string player in the liner notes is Sarah Pont. That's where it is. That's where I saw that. Uh, named after an actual landform found near Flagstaff, Arizona. and They describe evidence. All right, David. Here's the poll. We have the memo me votes. 89 total votes. If you were to round to the is nearest the Mesa
0: versus which song?
1: M- evidence 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 off of <laughs> yeah off of invented mm-hmm. where would you say there's like let's say there's 90 mm-hmm. votes if you could round it to the 60, nearest 30. T- 60 30 60 30 in
0: preference of evidence
1: oh wow interesting yeah. so it's actually 50 40 anderson oh. mesa wow yeah Anderson Mesa. And, and, you know, down below, um, Furrowed Brow says, Anderson Mesa is a cool spot and a good song. Winner, winner. And then Russo L.U.F.C. says, the fact that this is so close is upsetting. I <laughs> guess they just didn't like evidence. Yeah. Um, and Mecha Pangolin, evidence I just is thought, one of... yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, evidence is one of invented's finest, but Anderson Mesa is a stormer of a closer and is up there amongst their strongest. Tough pole. So Mecha Pangolin really loves it for... a a five minute uh, album ender.
0: That's pretty cool that it garnered yeah. so much love. I, I just I didn't think it was on that many people's radars. Exactly, and um. I, I, that's
1: kind of what I found looking at the stuff. There was not a lot. There was maybe a handful of things where people mm-hmm. were mm, commenting on it. Yeah. Um. In Pebble Swift's Survivor 2018 Round Nine, Static Prevails. It. Uh. This has it as it was out in Round Eight, so <laughs> <laughs> it was out pretty early. Um, Yeah, before 17 in episode four. So it it didn't last very long there. Then we've got, dude, our boy or girl. Bro, can we get Last Ride of the Night on Goliath? Submitted a year ago. Discussion thread. My top 10 Jimmy Eat World album closers. Number one, congratulations. I'm sorry. Number one, Cars. Congratulations. Mixtape. You were good. My Sundown. Paul Roger. At number seven, we have Anderson Mesa. Dizzy, goodbye, Sky Harbor, and 23. Um, they were commenting, bro was commenting down in the thread below, and I liked this, what they had to say here. Uh, they were kind of explaining and going into further detail as to why they chose theirs. And this is what they had to say about Anderson Mesa. Anderson Mesa, in my opinion, one of the most underrated Jimmy World songs. This has a great slow intro and then a huge explosion into the chorus. This is notably one of their only songs. With a drop into the chorus that always gets me pumped up. So, kind words for the song again. Yeah. Showing some love. Uh, a lovely one here. I'm going to send you this image. I'm going to copy this image. Paste this to you. This is in a Reddit thread. Submitted a year ago by our boy or girl. SnakeOil27. This nice. debate oh boy. got too heated. And it is... <laughs> It's Trump and Biden <laughs> the presidential. That's and good. the question I'm is, nervous. is Sky Harbor the best closer? Uh, JG429 says, I'm on team 23. Which side am I on? I'm nervous. Uh, uh, and then where else was it?
0: <laughs> oh, there goes the... Uh, the
1: the soundboard is there. We go. <laughs> <laughs> so in this thread, David, I had highlighted Yaz Nasty, was, uh, again another another. Con- I would love to meet Yaz Nasty. I'd love to meet JG429 in person. Um, and uh, this is what they had to say: We should have been assigning closer. I'm sorry. We should have been assigning closer takes to candidates during the primary season Damn. when there were more candidates to assign songs to. Biden is my sundown. It's fine, and it seems like an obvious pick since it's from their most mainstream album, but really, there are better choices. Warren is Dizzy. Fantastic closer, but, like, (laughs) you might as well go with the similar but superior choice of 23, which is Bernie, though Bernie is a bit more radical. Maybe he's a congratulations. Yang is Anderson Mesa. Why isn't anyone talking about how good of a song that is? Bloomberg is You Were Good. What was the point of even showing up to compete when the rest of these closers? (laughs) Gabbard is closer because even though she says she's a closer, she's not really a closer. Mm. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's nasty coming with it. Bringing it. Uh, Let's see. The last thing that I had was any Jimmy World songs with Screaming. I'm just Ah. starting to get yeah from the fifth fret a year ago. I'm just starting to get into Jew. And I heard the screaming in Bleed American and Nothing Wrong demo was really surprised because I didn't expect them to have screaming in their songs, but it sounded really good. And then down below, uh, Alt-323-G0 says, Man, no one has mentioned my favorite Jimmy song of all time, Anderson Mesa. It's incredible. My favorite song of all time, period. So Alt-323-G0 had that to say. That was the only mention of Anderson Mesa in that thread, a lot of other... um, you know the the common ones so that's what i got for um the community nice um yeah. this
0: oh, is this a band yeah this band was on sub tap sub pop and has a song called survivor it's terrible it used to be a joke with us because we couldn't believe this song was real <laughs> let me pull it up actually hit it listen to the beginning of the song Powerful song by punk band this name. Oh my god. I haven't listened to this song in so long, but this is much better than me asking like the other question I was gonna ask.
5: Your daddy up. Who is this? I can't I can't
1: tell the guy's voice.
3: Put your mama in the hospital. Your
7: daddy left town.
0: He broke broke your heart.
7: Your mama drank too much.
3: Your mama hit you in the The face. face. The hell? Had to make excuses for the bruises to all your friends.
5: She broke your heart. Your daddy came in your room at night.
6: It took is whatever he
1: wants. Fifteen? Yeah. Oh, dude. That's why he sounds so familiar. Jeff Ott.
0: Jeff oh, Ott. Well, you're That's you're yeah, okay.
1: <laughs>
3: Your heart,
0: oh, man. I, I, this is the only 15 song I know, and it's so unbelievably bad. We, uh, I thought it was a joke. I wrote it down in my diary. Can I, did you really, dude? Yeah, I, I thought, thought it, that was the worst thing I'd ever heard, and I thought that was hilarious, and I thought it was a joke. Uh, I need to find now, I need to find
1: Jeff Ott's song. There was a
0: who the fuck is oh, Jeff Ott? Is that that guy? He's the guy, he's the lead
1: singer of that 15, yeah ah man now I, I you know what i might have is to that song at... a joke or what no but i think he just writes songs that are weird um <laughs> oh, i wish i could find it was a punk compilation compilation and it had avenge sevenfold on it um let's see avenge sevenfold i'm gonna look this up real quick sevenfold i want to find this it is hopelessly devoted to you volume Four. Oh, i hated these comps these Who's were always your... the
0: ones that were for sale for like 99 cents at and Park i bought Topic it.
1: by the at the front yeah yeah so who's your daddy Jeff Ott let's see can I find it here it is let's listen to this this is the song okay. this is the, my first introduction to Jeff Ott weird man it's the last song on the album by the way
3: Even when he's in the home his touch turned off with work and booze and drugs and violence he's right there with her but she's all alone
1: alone Is this another course real quick it's kind of cool right It's twinkly
3: Perpetuate the problem,
1: the problem. And then it just goes back into it. I think it's just his way. <laughs> like, you had the same reaction I that I did, but you heard 15, the band. I heard Jeff Ott on his own. <laughs> Your daddy beat you up.
0: <laughs> Your daddy beat you down. Maybe, uh- And then the harmonies are just so outlandish and hilarious. I I think that's his whole thing.
1: That is like Jeff had a vision, and that (laughs) fifteen as a band. Like you know what, we were here for eleven years, uh, and then they gave up. And then they had that uh, hopelessly devoted to you. So you never got any of those. You didn't like those? No, I couldn't get into that. I think we talked Uh, about that when
0: we were talking about hardcore music. And I was like, every time I think of hardcore bands, I think of those comps that were at the front of Hot Topic for like two bucks, and they were always so bad. I couldn't listen to
1: any of it. Da- David, I'm going to give you a guess. Amazon, hopelessly devoted to you, Volume 4. How much on Amazon? I saw right? it. I saw
0: it. It's 99 cents. <laughs> You're, right? Yeah. You're
1: right. Yes. Well, because what did I do?
0: I typed in Jeff Ott A7X Comp, and that was what came up. And then you oh, had yeah. read it. So I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, you found
1: it. <laughs> A7X. Look at you. I had to type out Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> okay. So, yes, number 15
0: on uh Jake T. o'donnell's list which is higher than uh the next song that we we're maybe gonna have him on so maybe we'll have him on this episode uh although this is probably so off the rails uh anderson oh, mace's yeah. static prevails 1996 static prevails doesn't get much love these days it's incredibly exceedingly rare for jimmy world to ever play anything from live anymore it's also true if uh it isn't their strongest album. It's evident they were trying to figure out a lot of things while they were making it. The guys have said on many occasions that they were signed to Capitol before they really knew how to be a band. In a recent interview, Zach told Ian Cohen when he uh, that when he hears Static Prevails these days, he compares it to looking at past version of himself wearing a Jimmy's hat. Uh, commercially, it was a spectacular failure and left them with a lot to prove. But they were definite there were definite signs of who they'd become. And that's clearest on Anderson Mesa, the band's inaugural epic album closer. There isn't much here lyrically. Jim seems to be taking, uh, talking about a friend leaving home. Don't leave without uh, intentions of ever coming back. But it's a lot of the same lines over and over. This one is more about the feeling of Jim's singing, the general epicness of the guitars, ep- uh, drums and strings in the band showing where they'd be going as they signed off from static prevails an all around awesome effort by a bunch of dudes who are like 20 also because I cannot possibly get enough of live nineties Jimmy world footage. Here are the guys playing Anderson Mesa in Tempe in 99. You're welcome. And we will get to that performance from 99, um, but not before we listen to the 96 version. So Mm. that's all I have from community. Sweet dude. Um, before we j- jump into the live versions, I did find this band called Anderson Mesa. I think it's a band. This is Anderson Mesa. Don't text back live. Top class pop rock from the Midlands, opening for Class D in the cellar, Galway. This is nine thirteen oh nine. They have a new album out soon, and in the meantime, they have a four-track EP. Check them out. Enjoy. No man, I really like this song. Yeah, oh, I want to find this song. <laughs> Anderson, <laughs> Anderson Mesa, Mesa, don't text back. I want to hear the uh, the album version. Uh, of course, I don't. Uh, of course, I, I so I googled Anderson or I, I searched YouTube. Anderson Mesa, don't text back. Second video after that, inmate kills cellmate and hides body without <laughs> <Jeez>. guards noticing. <laughs> Jeez! All right. I'll do one quick Google search for the song. It said that their album was coming out, but I just don't see it. Bummer. That was a fun song. That was. I was into it. All right. Cool. So here we are. 1996. Wetlands, New York. Anderson Mesa. I don't know how good the quality of this recording is. This is just up on our Google Drive. Oh, classic harmonics. Come on guys. Do, do yeah
1: dude. Sounds great.
0: good, man. Yeah. that's how it sounded in 96 and if we jump over to watch together we can watch them play the green room in 99 this is posted by user benazona and this is the guy he says my brother and i drove up to tempe oh, from Tucson yeah. for two back-to-back jamie world shows at the green room and unfortunately the now defunct venue this was an interesting time to catch the band as it was about six months prior to the release of their mainstream breakthrough album, Bleed American. The venue was small and intimate with, an excellent, with excellent sound. The band was spot on and extraordinarily passionate in their performance. And as usual, Jim Adkins leaves it all on the floor. He is the Steve Nash of modern day rock and roll. We shot this on a rented VHS camera from Director's Chair Video in Tucson. The camera wasn't that great, but Director's Chair Video ruled. And they also, which they didn't say here, but they have the DAT hooked directly into the soundboard. Yeah. So they have the clean um, clean sound.
1: The same aneurysms.
0: Yeah. Camera dude's like three feet from Jim's headstock.
1: Oh, Rick. Oh, my God. So weird seeing them so young.
5: Yeah.
0: Like, this is the type of thing I would love to see them break out at, like, a change-reaction-type show, yeah. but, like, this would totally kill. Like, when people say, oh, how come bands don't play the, the, the deep cuts at shows? Because this would completely take the air out of the room at the will turn or something. Yeah, yeah. But this would be incredible to see. Yeah, nice zoom in on Tom there.
1: That SG, man, that Gibson SG. so in sync
0: <laughs> yeah man ah, so good Dude, I out gosh.
1: yeah I know right I'm getting mesmerized <laughs> watching the play too <laughs> Oh, yeah man
0: all right so that is 1996 uh or 1999 Nine. benazona and we have i have three covers of okay
1: this. um do you have any of these i well four we talked about that <laughs> that glitchy ass uh, oh yeah one. so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we I didn't get to it. Then, i've done
0: it before in the past what was the name of that channel
1: world music tablature it was so weird
0: yeah they they have somebody playing the bass and guitar tabs but uh, and maybe it's a digital version of it but they're all skippy and not worth listening to i tried to stack them so we could play them together and it just didn't sound
1: it wouldn't work right yeah so that's out so i got the probably the same three you have then
0: yeah devin for president i think is where we can start yeah that's where we're hitting it uh he's acoustic boy um and uh anderson mesa jimmy world cover says dustin
1: Let's see buddy.
0: Dev Devin, not Dustin. This was posted on a date that I'm not seeing. Oh, this sounds so good though. Ooh. April 24th, 2008, 4,101 views.
1: I love that he does the little notes in there, too.
0: Yeah, man. I don't know what his shirt says, but I see TIC, so in my head it's a self-made Static Prevail shirt.
1: (laughs) I think it says authentic.
0: (laughs) Oh, there you go. Future's past in the comments here. Whoa, this is great. Awesome job there. Keep playing, dude.
1: What kind of guitar he has? Does the headstock no. come
0: in at all? Let's see. I'll, I've got open it open in YouTube. I'm fast-forwarding through the video here.
1: It could be anything. No. No, My mind wants to enough. say it's like a Fender.
0: Let's go to his page and see. Devin for president. All right, here we go. Plenty of videos
1: where you can see. Yeah, he almost had it in the frame. Martin? Is it a Martin? It...
0: Fidelity of these videos. So I'm gonna to go to a video with different lighting. Uh, I want to say Martin, but yeah. Here, I'll send you an image here. Yeah. The fidelity is just so low. This, all his videos are so old. A 23 cover sick Let's take a little listen
1: yeah this. maybe that's why I've heard his name before episode 23 how long ago was that jeez
0: <laughs> I mean this, his cover is definitely older than that but I don't think we have the. we didn't have it all dialed in yet here's his 23 cover
1: it looks like a Martin to me oh, the yeah, headstock yeah, looks, looks this, square uh,
0: arrangement here I'm going to go to our 23 playlists.
1: Check out the beard, dude. That is very manicured.
0: Yeah, man. Classic chin strap.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for
0: sure. (laughs) We don't have a 23 playlist.
4: We weren't like really on it <laughs> oh, yeah, quite I, yet.
1: That's unfortunate.
3: And I'm sorry every day.
0: I won't always love Digging this though. Let me see if he has any other uh, Jimmy Eat World songs before I uh, move on here. Oh, yeah he does and we've seen him before yeah um, what's interesting is it's for 10 which is even older Wow. Uh, of an episode for us so let me go ahead and paste this off in here it does all the number songs Huh. So. here's 10 written by Jimmy oh
4: Why
1: does this look like it would be at beginning of like American Beauty?
0: <laughs>
1: you know, it's I think yeah, it's the totally. VHS quality. Beautiful. I think I had that American Eagle shirt, dude.
6: Yeah, dude.
4: You got great skills.
0: Yeah, man. Hell yeah, man!
1: Yeah, all right, man. Devin right, for president.
0: Cool. Yeah, making a solid case for himself. Faded reality is the next one I have. I think yeah, it's the guitar play along. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's take a listen here. Oh, that, that's not a Tom DeLonge. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Sixty frames per second here. <laughs> so sharp. Have we seen this person before? This guitar well, only because
1: they look like Sugar Pill. How they do theirs? Yeah, right. Maybe
0: let's go to their or their uh, YouTube and see. Faded reality. Uh. Yeah they did Claire twice. And we've watched it. Just watched the fireworks, My Sundown, Rockstar, The Middle, Goodbye Sky Harbor. I mean, you t- you name it, they done it. Yeah, all right. So we or have just, had you, know, to- you name the the ones I just told you <laughs> We didn't play their "My Sundown" cover, and we didn't Dude. play their "Goodbye Sky Harbor" cover.
1: It's sixteen minutes long. I'm kind of interested
0: in what happens at the end of it.
1: He's got the uh, the lightning strap. Good oh tourster. yeah, the weezer uh, yeah. slash uh,
0: <laughs> old blank uh
1: what if this right, is what if this is, this is so... early sugar pill and this is a different channel. Oh yeah. What if it is, dude? Mm. Nah, maybe not. I gotta I'm gonna jump to two... like
0: three quarters of the way down. Let's see what All happens right. here. I mean, they have videos up to two months ago.
1: Only a couple hundred subscribers? Huh.
0: Oh, here you go. I'm going to play this for you before we play our last cover here.
1: Here's for you. Oh. This is a good track, by the way. I don't know if I know this one. This is a B side four show. I want to say this was '96, man.
0: Sounds like it could be on Van Weezer.
1: I was 93. Wow. Yeah. That's a great track. Yeah, that is a good one. It was a B side (laughs) off of the Blue Album.
0: Alright, so last is uh classic from the community. He played he covered the entire uh album of Static Prevails, Thomas Adam, Tom's Heap. Um yeah. was, his uh I forgot oh this is the whole album, so we're gonna have to jump up to uh let me go ahead and see if I can get the timestamp. No, of course not. So we're gonna have to just go ahead and
1: forty six forty seven. You found it? No, that's the end of it oh, that's, a long <laughs> that's the length idea. I'm going to jump to
0: five minutes before that Do it One
3: fifty three. Don't leave without intention. Don't leave without intention Of ever coming back Don't leave without Don't leave without intention. My mind's made up my own decision. Vacation. you take them if you want
1: it. I like this little walk down. Yeah,
4: man.
3: It's so calming.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: It. Well, Justin, what are your final thoughts on the song vacation. Anderson Mesa? You, uh, you know, I'll tell you,
1: world. I've listened to it, what, did I say 15 times? Yeah. But I don't think I've ever paid as close of attention to it yes. uh, as I did today. And yes. I like it. There's a lot to it like the people on the um, the subreddits were saying it has a build to it yes. it's got that slow intro the build so it's got all of those ingredients of a big Jimmy World song I like it I don't know if it's my favorite album closer but it's up there what about you man? Yeah
0: yeah it's definitely i'm kind of bummed that i didn't listen to it on the drive back from the grand canyon because we left grand canyon right as the full moon was cresting over the canyon and uh so we're driving back in the dark through anderson mesa i should have been listening to this and i did unfortunately um and uh uh, but yeah it's definitely a great nighttime moody song that i never would have reached for ever and I think this is going to make its way into my rotation, get my uh, listener numbers up from num- from thirteen that it's at right now. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Without any further ado, uh, you know, if you're illegally camping in the uh, in the Anderson Mesa area and accidentally started a twenty five thousand acre wildfire, uh, you know, please remember to be excellent to each other
1: and party on, dudes.
3: Ha ha
4: ha
1: All right. Welcome, listeners. Uh, today, we have a very, very special guest because we have referred to his blog post several times uh, throughout our years on this podcast. We have uh, Jake T. O'Donnell or Jake O'Donnell. I don't know if you go with, with that middle initial. <laughs> I like to use mine, but um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how many podcasts have you been on?
2: Um, Not about Jimmy World, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I had kind of my own podcast, maybe 10 or 12 years ago um, that I just did for, I did for fun. I don't think a lot of people really listen to it. I don't even think that the archives uh, of that even exist anymore. And I was on one for uh, like a couple, like two or three jobs ago. Um, I did uh, appear on a podcast, but not talking about, my, my, my favorite band of the last 20 years. So yes, this, this, yes, uh, sir. this is much <laughs> more exciting than any of
1: that. You know, there's other people that we've had on and I think they get so excited about talking about you know, not necessarily their profession or what they do for a living or what it, you know, their, their dreams and aspirations. It's about this band, the music that they make and its impact on them. And uh, from what you've written, most of the stuff you, ha- you have in your, in your top 100, I mean, we loved the way you write. Well, you're right. It's it reads so well um, when when David uh, will read it off of your blog. Um, but it, it just shows that you love this band a whole hell of a lot. And uh, so 20 years, what was it that brought you at introduced you to the band?
2: So um, I, I I think I had written about this in and one of the parts of it about the specifics, like the memory that I specifically have um, was that I think you know, I've never been ashamed to say that the, the my introduction to the band was the middle, um, and uh, I had I was not totally aware of them before I first heard the song, um, but I was so it was you know February of two thousand two. Um, I'm a freshman in high school, living in Northern New Hampshire, and I. Um, one of the things that i would do sometimes uh, before the bus would show up if i had a few extra minutes would be i would turn on MTV and this was back when they actually used to show music videos on MTV them sort of showing my age on that one um, and i had heard the i had heard the name of the band Jimmy World in at some point in the previous few months and I, all i thought to myself was god what a stupid name for a band like i just you know whatever like i just like didn't care so i remember being home it was like I said, cold morning. Um, went, you know, waiting f- before I needed to go out and catch the bus. And I saw the video for the middle, and I was just immediately hooked. Um, I just thought, this is this is a this is a kind of of rock music that I had not really heard before. That it just there was so much energy to it. Because I guess to give a little bit of background in terms of what my musical tastes up to that point were, like. Um, I wasn't like really into a lot of contemporary music, um, through my sort of early teen years. I was very much a fan of, I had like a a pretty lengthy, like classic rock phase in junior high, um, that kind of thing into high school. There were a few contemporary bands that I liked. I liked, you know, I liked smashing pumpkins and I liked incubus and I liked those bands, but I wasn't really into, I wasn't really into a lot of the other, Ostensibly, like sort of pop punk bands. I remember, like the the big song, um, the f- right before my uh, freshman year of high school was was Fat Lip by you know <laughs> some, some forty one, yeah, <laughs> um, which I thought was fine, but it just wasn't really my it wasn't my style. But when I heard the middle, I kind of there were a couple things that happened. First is off was that while it was in that realm, it was still much more of a, it. It just felt more like rock to me. And um, I know that Jim has mentioned this in the past about how the solo on the middle, they were going for a Springsteen kind of thing. And that was kind of what I thought, too. And I love Springsteen and I still do. Um, And I could I could hear that in it as well. And then, of course, ostensibly, you know, I'm a freshman in high school and it's a weird time in life anyway. And hearing this song that is so much of just, you know, just pick yourself up and and, you know, uh, you know, everything's going to be all right. And just, you know, don't, don't write yourself like, it was just (laughs) a lot of stuff that as a 15 going on 16 year old kid, I felt like I kind of needed to hear. Yeah. So that was the start of it. Um, from there I picked up, I I got it first, my, I got my copy of bleed American. And I just remember, you know, putting that on and, and listening to the title track, the intro and just being just blown away by the energy and the, the force that they played with. And then that goes into praise chorus. And I just, I was just so hooked. Um, By the end of that next summer, I had seen them live for the first time. And um, that was also, that was sort of my introduction to the rest of what they had made to that point. And then I was basically, I feel like I only listened to clarity for like the next six months. And it just all kind of grew from there. And they've just, they're the only band for me personally that I, really sort of fell in love with in, in my high school years that I still keep up with religiously, that I still go see every time I can, that I still listen to their 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 stuff. And they've just always stuck with me. Um and they've always been just sort of that 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 special band um through all these years for me.
1: Yeah. And and the way the kind of the if if you listen to the introduction to this this podcast, the the way that the story goes is that David's favorite band blink 182 my favorite band right. is Weezer and then this has always been our second favorite band but we have both <laughs> yeah. come to I mean in learning about them it's it's made such a difference but I, I can say and, and David I can't say the same for David but growing up with Weezer I don't know if I necessarily have a, across their discography memories tied into certain tracks but it seems like a lot of the fans that I talked to you included there are these they can remember kind of where they were when they listened to like 23 for the first time or or where they were yeah. when they popped invented into the stereo and listened to that album and go this is this is different from what they've had um and I think I, that's what I appreciate about the band is that they've kept doing what they're doing and changing a little bit of their sound but um it, they create these memories for all their fans and mm-hmm. it it all comes back like you you said you went and, and you see them every opportunity you get um I don't yeah. you know, I I can't tell you the last time I saw Weezer live but I have been I've been seeing Jimmy World so much because they've just um I don't know it they they've been an amazing band. So now 2002 that's when you said you got Bleed American. So we have a very you and I have a very similar um kind of a parallel with music. I did a lot of listening to classic rock kind of in my early formative years with music and then got into in the mid 90s into Weezer and then Jimmy World. So when you're getting this album, you're going to pick up Lead American. Is
2: there a record store that you're visiting in, in, in your town? Um, unfortunately, no, where I grew up. I mean, so there had been record record stores and there actually probably is a record store now. So let me I'll just have to give you kind of a, a picture of the town that I grew up in. Um, I was born in uh, the town of North Conway, New Hampshire, and I grew up in Bartlett, New Hampshire. And it it's ski country. Um, it is. There are all these uh, there are. Numerous ski areas. It's it's uh, the the highest peak in the the northeast is in is in the area where I grew up. Um, it's a it's a so it's it's a very touristy area. Um, there are not always a ton of year round residents. Um, my high school graduating class was was about 150 kids, and I went to a, I went to a public high school, a regional high school of, of eight different towns, and I had <laughs> 150 kids. So that just gives you an idea of how how big. The area was in terms of in terms of you know year-round residents so we didn't really have a lot of options there was there was there were basically two music stores um in town one was one was like a a chain another was was not a chain but kind of felt like a chain because it was actually in the mall and then walmart That was, those were the (laughs) options for, for buying music. I will say that I probably, because I was, it was 2001 and I was 15, I was 15 years old and didn't have a lot of walking around money that bleed American and and a lot of the early Jimmy world stuff. I will admit I probably did pirate a lot of that stuff. Um, you know it's just what it's just personally it was just kind of what I did but I I did eventually own copies of of all of right you know all all of those all of those albums it was definitely the sort of the harder to find tracks the you know the 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 no sensitivities and the most beautiful things of the world right that are the softers or whatever the spangles that I had to try to you know find in the deep recesses of the internet um in 2001 2002 so I so but but yeah, we had, we had a couple of, of places to buy music, but there was not a lot of options up there for, for that. Um, and there is a record store up there now. I feel like it's one of those things where it like kind of came back around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like there is a record store up there now that I have been in. Um, but yeah, those were limited options in northern New Hampshire for, for actually okay. buying new music.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely... We've talked a lot about uh, using LimeWire and... I don't hmm. know if we use Kazab. I, I was I, I used
2: Bearshare a lot. Same kind I of used, thing. I used all of those. <laughs> I used every one of them. Every one of them on the 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 fifty six K modem. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Just like, log in. Like, a, <laughs> like you know, yeah. that was, the, the kids don't know what we're talking about, but <laughs> but that was that was that was my life. Um we did our best. Right,
1: and and you know what? I, and the band—they've admitted they they leaked stuff or allowed stuff to be sure. leaked on that platform. And look what it did—it allowed us to share share things that uh, maybe we couldn't get if, unless we went to the Japanese um, their extended or expanded edition. Right. Uh, so, and, and look, it really helped uh, among other things, so many other things. And that's kind of what I want to talk about with uh, with the band um, and you. So we are on the Anderson Mesa episode. St- mm-hmm. static prevails so this is it you were like nine or ten when this album was released yeah um and so how long did it take you to backtrack and listen to that catalog that back catalog after you've been introduced to
2: them to the middle and bleed american yeah it was so it's funny you asked that question because there's i i, I told this whole like obviously i told this whole story about when i was first directly cognizant of the band but there was um there was something interesting that I uncovered when I was doing research for my my list. And you you may remember talking about this on previous podcasts. There was a the band through capital put out a split cassette with with less than Jake. Yeah. Where they had would that had Rockstar and Call It in the Air and 17 on that cassette. And there were three Less Than Jake songs on that. I actually had that cassette. <laughs> My dad somehow was able to track it down because he thought it was funny that there was a band named Less Than Jake. <laughs> and um, but I, I had forgotten that I had this, and I had completely forgotten and had, I think, no realization whatsoever that Jimmy Eat World was the other band on this. Because what happened was is that I what I remembered was there was a there was like this image on the cover of it of like a 50s looking like guy. Um, you know, and I found all this on Discogs when I was doing the um when I was doing the research for my piece. And there was Less Than Jake was on it. There was another band on it. I remember Less Than Jake had a song called like Sugar in Your Gas Tank on it or something like that. And you guys, I think on your the episode you guys did about Rockstar, at least, like David pulled yeah. this up and, and yes. you guys talked about it. Yeah. So I had So what happened was, is that I'm pretty sure I was 10 or 11 years old when my dad somehow managed to track this down or somebody gave it to him and then they gave it to me because he thought it was funny. He worked in like a sporting goods store. There were a lot Uh of skateboarders that would come in and out of there. One of them might have just given given him that. I remember, I think what happened was I listened to the less than Jake side of it and I thought it was awful. (laughs) I thought it was terrible and I never listened to it again. And I've tried to find that that cassette at my my dad's house since then, and I've had no luck. Um, so so that was technically really actually my first exposure to Jimmy World, even though I didn't realize it. And, and so when I was like I said, when I was doing the research for my piece, and you can you see on all of the all of the entries, I I always put like the you know where it first appeared where right. it was first like officially released if it was officially released i only have one song in my top 100 that was not officially released but um but the what so when i was doing that research i realized i was looking up like rockstar and and these other because of those three songs are all on my list and i real and i it, i like finally in my brain i put, after like almost 20 years or it more clicked. than 20 years i finally put it together like oh my god i i had this exposure to my, to this band that I would spend the next 20 years obsessing over, but I didn't even realize it. Um, but, but in reality, as far as like my, my, um, you know, static prevails and, and my, ex, my exposure to it, it was, yeah, it was, it would have been that, you know, spring and summer of 2002 when I, after you know getting into bleed american and then seeing them live and seeing a bunch of the songs from both clarity and static prevails and other stuff that they end up live that i really got into it and so it would have been around that year and i just you know static prevails it's been said over and over and over again it's been said by guys in the band it's been said in different avenues that the guys got signed before they knew how to be a band and it's almost never works like this these most bands work for years to get signed they're a band and then they get signed these guys got signed and then they had to figure out how to be a band and they had a lot of resources at their disposal they were able to work with a producer who was very established and well known in the space as a as a musician mostly um and they took advantage of it they but they were not but again they were not a fully formed band at that point so there are there are rough edges on static prevails but, I, I mean, I love every song on Static Prevails. All of the songs are, are in my top 100. Um, and they showed a level of, of, of sophistication as songwriters, as 19- and 20-year-old guys, basically, that is really incredible the, as, as more time goes by. And you, you realize that... So I know that... I think that David's mentioned it in the other pods, and I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read... Um, Dan Ozzy's book sell out. Um, there is there's a whole chapter about the making of static prevails in that. And um, you know, one of the things that attracted the um, Lauren Israel and Craig Aronson to the band was when they listened to the digits uh, song version from the Christy Front Drive split. Split, yeah. And they said, and Craig Aaron and uh, Lauren Israel said, These guys are 19 years old, they're they play punk rock, but they know how to write a song. They know how to. They know. They know where. They they know what a chorus is. You know. They know how to do these things. These guys had this innate. They had this innate ability from the beginning to be able to write songs, and that's the best thing that I can say about Static Prevails is that these are 19 year old kids, 20 year old kids, doing recording this album while they're sort of off from semesters at college, um, that are working in a professional studio space with a with a real producer, and they're they're making really they're making songs that I don't really know that a lot of other bands at the time were even trying to make those kinds of songs. And there's no better example of this than what they, what they did with Anderson Mesa, Honestly.
1: And I I think there's a lot of initiative that Jim took. I mean, even on that, that, that album, you can almost split it down the middle with Jim songs and and Tom songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And yeah, they did admit that they were, they were in over their heads with it, but jim Jim has put together tracks like Satanica, which he's described even when we had him on uh, when we interviewed him a few weeks ago mm-hmm. Jim had said they were fiddling around with the PlayStation uh, and using the MTV music generator just to make these weird tracks and it reminds you that even when they're in even when they've created this album this album that you're right it is a little rough around the edges, but it's still consistent uh in that it's i mean it, it's got some clarity to the sound it's got this there's not a lot of variance in how they've written these songs differently it's the same sound for each yeah. one of these songs the tightness um, but they're still they're still so young and uh and just juvenile with all of this and and they still yeah. come out and after they've been dropped and they come out and then they self-produce themselves they, they were able to f- finally catch themselves and then and then run with it and, and to where they are now. And it's it's an amazing story. And I'm sure there's other ones like this with other musicians and bands, but it's just particularly good with Jimmy world, how far they've come from the age that they were when they, when they were handed that, that record label contract.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 there are not a lot of stories of bands like this that. Like they're very unique, very unique in this idea that they, they were, like I said, the, 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 the whole idea of them barely being a band, when they get signed to, signed to a major label. They get signed to a major label. The album comes out and does less than nothing. The album, Static Prevails sold under 10,000 copies in the first year. That, that's from Dan Ozzy's book. That is in 1996, 97. The fact that they, that Capital, for whatever reason, were willing to let them record a second album is just totally nuts. Um, and then they did, and it becomes this sort of modern unheralded classic, um, and and you know over time grows in stature. And then, but they bet on themselves, and again they they get in the studio with Trombino, they they go to Europe, and they make they sell all the CDs and T-shirts out of their van, and they scrounge up every last dollar that they have so that they can make Bleed American, and then. They so I guess the point I'm trying to say is that I feel like most bands, the the failure of an album like static prevails, that would be it. They would that you would never hear from them again. There would never be there would not have been a GME world. But they they stuck to, A, they they had you know great people believing in them, like Craig Aronson and other people that, that they were able to keep going and get on to and, and be able to make clarity and then just kind of go from there. Um, it's a, it's incredibly, it's an incredibly rare story. And it's one, I think that you, myself and all the other people that love this band are incredibly thankful for, because it's been now, you know, it's been almost 30 years since they started and they're still doing it. They're still rocking. They yeah. just came out with a song a couple of weeks ago that rocks my fucking ass off. It's <laughs> amazing. That song is amazing. And I yeah. can't wait for you guys to talk about it. I know. Um, it- So, so like that's, it's, these guys are special. And the the reason why I, I wanted to write the, the the lengthy piece that I did, one of the many reasons why I did was because I just wanted people to realize, um, if they came across it, that like, this is a band that you can write a hundred best songs about, um, that I think that there's maybe a lot of mu- the music fan populace and the populace in general that maybe doesn't quite realize that about Jimmy Eat World, um, that this is a band that means a lot to a lot of people, not just me, but that's a band that it's ca- that it, a it's capable you're capable of writing a a top hundred list for, and b and b you're capable of doing a podcast where you dissect every song. There's right. not there's how many bands can you even say that about? Right, Jimmy and- World is definitely one of them.
1: Right, and and I was talking with Christian James Hand uh, about the band, and one thing that that, that one fact that he brings up off often is that the band's lineup is the same. It's the same, for, and, and how often can you say for thirty years that these four guys have been together? Granted, they they've added in Robin, um, sure, yep. Birdman, bird uh, but, <laughs> but <laughs> the fifth Jimmy, yeah, right. <laughs> but <laughs> they've uh, remained uh, unchanged, essentially, right, and. uh and, like you said, with a hundred different songs that you can that you can apply and say this is like there's a, a best of list, you're right i couldn't I couldn't say that same thing for Weezer. I mean, there's some like there's some on albums and some off albums, yeah. but Weezer has I'd say they're a little bit more um experimental when it comes to trying different sounds, sure. Uh, and it's 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 won them some new listeners and it's lost some old listeners uh, and what but what Jimmy World have done is you can see them that that Jim has been professional from day 1. And you can see him when he when he's when he's on stage, you can see the charge that he takes in getting the band. There's not not a ton of banter in between the songs. It's kind of like the band knows and he's even admitted to this with early uh with early touring, there was there was no, no time. It's like the song's over, one beat and we're into the next one because it's just like he's all about the music. And uh and even though the concepts for some of these albums, like I wanted to talk about your favorite 3 in a moment, um mm-hmm. even though the concepts concepts of the album have cha- have changed or they 're different they 've always remained the professionals that they were from day one even though they were a little uh a little young and that that 's got to be said too that that 's got to be understood when you 're trying to describe this band to a potential fan is like there's there's they 've been steadfast in in how they yeah. write these songs and um and it, and it 's an, an amazing feat so to talk about your your favorite three albums. I'm assuming these are your favorites because you said to date, they've put out three stellar albums since I left college invented in 2010 damage in 2013 and integrity blues in 2016. Are, would you say those are your favorite or just in that moment? No. <laughs> no,
2: no, no, no. I, I, my favorite three are, are, are clarity one, bleed America two and, Bleed America 2 And, and futures, futures. Yeah. no question. <laughs> um, that's, I, that I, I didn't, what the way that I wrote that, I, I was saying that they were stellar albums. I think that my, if we're just talking about rankings, like I, this has been a little bit fluid for me. I think the top three has been pretty solidified, um, between those three. I don't, I have integrity, integrity blues, not that far behind futures, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's probably it's probably static prevails. Um, and then survive. I would probably have surviving next after that. Um, and then you know it, near my bottom. I know that I I pretty probably pretty sure that I said many times during the list that I would say that you know then I, I probably have invented after surviving. And then the last. Two, I don't you know again I I'm not it's not that I don't consider the first album, the, the Jimmy world first like Canon, like it is Canon. It's the band, but it's just a different band to me. Like I've, I've said that for, that's why none of those songs are on that list for me. It's those guys making a punk rock record and it's good for what it is. But to me, it's not, that's not the Jimmy world that I know. That's just, that is a, that is a different iteration of a, of a band. They are figuring everything out at that point. Um, and those songs are fun to listen to. I, 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 like, I like to listen to them. But, um, but the two that I kind of denigrate the most are Chase This Light and Damage. Um, I, I think that I probably was a bit unfair over the course of my piece on, uh, against Chase This Light, um, which I do. There are songs in that I love. There's a song from Chase This Light that's in my top five. Um, and although the next highest song from that era that I have on my on the list is a non-album song. Um, but I would say that, uh, I, I think that the weakest record that they've made is, is probably actually damage, um, since, since the first one, it's just inconsequential is the word that I used. I was, I was try I tried to be nice about it, um, in, in the piece, but I just think that they, I think they just missed it was it's, and it's fine. It's not a bad record by any means. It's just, they were going through stuff. You can tell, like they were trying to figure out what kind of band they wanted to be. And they took a lot of time off, even though was, they still sort of stuck on the, three, the three-year the three cycle for yeah. Integrity Blues. They took a lot, they took an extended break from being a band after that. And then they got back together and they asked themselves, why should we make another Jimmy Eat World record? And they asked, and that was the question that, that, that went through the recording for Integrity Blues. And I, man, that record, is so great in my yep. opinion, um, but but damage is just it's just a lot. There's a there's like a few really excellent songs. No never is pretty high on my list, and I will Still you back. I love I like that and appreciation. Those are good songs, um, and I would say that that chase this light has like high highs for me, but they probably but it has low lows. They were trying they and the the band has admitted as much that they were trying to. They were trying to make "Bleed American" again with "Chase the Light," and they were trying to go for they were trying to go for radio airplay with those songs. It was too and polished, too polished. Um, they effectively it's the only album that they've made that they really were the producers. They self produced it. They had an assist from Butch Vig, but Butch Vig was I don't believe was really he was the he was just overseeing things while the band was producing it themselves. It's the only one of the albums that they've done where that was the case where they didn't have a, a, a producer that came in. And I think that, that what that pr- showed and proved was that they kind of need, they need somebody at the controls to sort of help move them along. Maybe as time has gone on and the more that they've recorded and done things themselves, maybe they need it less, but I think that you can kind of see over the course of the last two records. And I assume whatever they're doing with the next one, that Justin Meldell Johnson has been an outstanding uh, addition to, the people that they work with Um and that he's done such a great job of honing in on what makes them great. Um, right. And, uh and yeah, so, so, but as far as my top three goes, I mean, okay. clarity is <laughs> clarity is possibly my favorite album of all time. Yeah. Lead America is not too far behind. And then futures is, is right there too. Yeah.
1: That makes so. more sense. And, it's the same thing for me. I know David and I have said uh, Integrity Blues has almost felt like Futures 2, where it's just like yes. the extension of that album. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's, it's so that. close. It's it's hard to say. For such an iconic album as Futures, it's hard to for, for me to allow it to be edged out by Integrity Blues. But I find myself listening yeah. to Integrity Blues more now than I do Futures. <laughs> and I'll go back to it yeah. and I'll say, oh, I know why I love this album. But then I go back and listen to Integrity Blues all the way through. It's... It sounds like that, uh, you know, Justin Melville Johnson took what they were doing in Futures and then it just made it into this amazing, Mm -hmm. this amazing album. And I think Jim said, just to kind of talk about uh, Butch Vig, like he they would have a problem in the studio. He would step in, like you were saying, to oversee. And then he would almost give them like some um, almost like a Mr. Miyagi kind of. a, Well, this is what you need to do. And then he would step back out again. And it was like they were left to their own devices and, and they and that the album is the result of
2: that. Yeah. Nothing against it. Love Jason's light. It yeah. came out when I was in college. It was, it was, you know, at the moment, I probably thought it was better than all the rest of them as time went on. I was just like, you know what, this is, this, there's some stuff here that just doesn't work, but there's some stuff there that really does work too. So.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. And it did elicit a lot of excitement. I do. It's probably the same yeah. way. Like you get these new albums. And I remember getting the, I still have one. That was one of the few. I still have the, the, the physical CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got yeah, the, the feather on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but then now we have stuff like Surviving, which you haven't, mm-hmm. you mentioned in your blog here. Let's see. Uh, I will say that two songs from Surviving are easily top 25 with another three likely in the top 50 and all but maybe two scattered throughout the uh, rest of the top 100. It's a great record. Um, yeah. Equal in quality. Did you ever talk about them on your blog? The Those, those tracks from um, Surviving?
2: So so what I do is I I do like a, on my blog, I I always do like a top like, 10 albums of the year kind of thing. And that surviving did make my top 10 that year. And I talked about it a little bit. Um, So that brings up a good question about like the status of the list and like, is it, am I going to, you know, I, I, you know, is it going to change in the future? Like um, I explained this kind of in the piece, like I was fully expecting that I was going to have the full top hundred out before surviving came out. Like that was my plan. There was no album announcement for for months and months that year. I knew that the album was coming out, that it was going to be their tenth record. It was part of why I wanted to do it that year. Um, and then I was so that was so. I guess maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about kind of the formation of the list and and how I came about doing it. Um, I wanted to write something. I always wanted to write something about Jimmy Eat World, like a long form piece for the, for my blog or wherever, because obviously they've been this really important band to me. And like you mentioned, like specific songs and albums are really indelible at different times in my life. And, and very formative from the time I was 15 years old until my adulthood. Um, and I kind of had envisioned it in one way as being like, almost like, almost like chapters in a book where it's like the first, so like the first chapter is about, I discover them on a cold morning in February, 2002, like whatever. And then, you know, the next, and and then I, that goes through the summer when I saw the concert. And then the, you know, the next chapter is about the rest of high school and, you know, the, the, about futures coming out during my senior year. And then, you know, there'd be a chapter about the time that I met Tom with my best friend at a show in 2007 at the Orpheum. And that was awesome. And, Um, uh, you know, we talked for 20 minutes before the show and that was great. And, you know, I wanted, and then, you know, invented comes out the year I have my first job and then, you know, like I wanted to do all of this stuff and it, it just kind of like, I could never really, I could never just come and formulate it and and do it. And I'll just say that, you know, like I am, I have a full-time job and, uh, you know, I'm married and, and I, you know, I have a house and and stuff. And like, I I always have so many ideas of different things that I want to write for my blog. that, you know, I just, I have the idea or I'll even start writing it and I'll, I'll go, I'll write maybe, you know, a lot of it. And as you can, as you know, uh, this piece that I ended up writing for, this is 21,000 words. So I tend to write a lot of words. <laughs> uh, and I'm a writer, I'm a writer and content creator by trade. I, you know, was trained as a journalist and I, I, you know, have been, have worked in marketing and in the, in the tech field for the last almost, uh, almost eh, about the last seven years. Um, and I, so I just like, will write, start writing stuff and then not like not finish it and not get back to it. So sort of fast forward to late 2018, I'm realizing that it's going to be the 20th anniversary of clarity. And I wanted to do something similar to what I had done two years before I did a track by track breakdown for pet sounds for its 50th anniversary. Um, and um, I know that I think there was an episode where you guys talked about Pet Sounds. I don't think you guys are big <laughs> fans of it, which fine, whatever. It's one of my favorite albums, and it's it's uh, was very formative for me in, in middle school. Um, and my and you know my parents got me into all of the '60s stuff. They grew up then; they were huge Beatles fans and Beach Boys fans, and all of them. And so that that was a big part of it too. Um so I had done this like track by track breakdown when I was writing a lot of stuff about the different uh, you know writing about each song in sequence. So I wanted to do the same thing for clarity. And I started writing it and I started writing and so most of the the stuff on my list from Clare, the clarity songs are from that sort that. of initial draft of when I was trying to write that. And you know and what happened was, is just the time passed, it ended up being because because Futures came out in February of 1999. So it got to be February of 2019 and everyone's writing all of their retrospectives. And Ian Cohen wrote this long retrospective for gum about it. And the time kind of passed. And I don't know why I think like this. I like because it's the journalist in me. Like, I just think stuff is timely. And it's like, you know, who cares if I put this thing out six months later? But in my mind, it matters. Right. You know, it's like not a lot of people, not a lot of people read my stuff. I'm some, I'm some guy in Massachusetts. It's <laughs> like, who, who cares what I have to say? But so I thought to myself, okay, I've always wanted to do this long, this like big picture Jimmy world thing. And I know that we're on, on the three-year plan. They should be coming out with a new album right. this year. And, you know, it's like, it's like 25 years since the first record. And I'm just like, you know what? I want to do it. I'm going to do a top hundred. I'm going to. I'm going to list out all the songs. I'm going to rank them. And I want to make this personal. I want to make this. This isn't just like a a rote. Like this is like this. I like this song better than the next one. But here's why. Whatever. Like I want to do research. I want to do my journalistic best on this. I want it to be personal. I want and I really want to do it. So I started. So like I said, I it took me overall. It took me about a year to write the whole thing. And and I um I really tried to hone in on. I tried to make it the best that I could make it. So, but there was, again, I have a job. I had a house at the time, a different house than the one that I have now. Um, and also, you know, my now wife and I were planning, uh, we were planning a wedding that year um, as well. So there was a lot going on and we were getting married at the beginning of October. And then we were going on, a, on our honeymoon. And my plan was that I wanted to try to get the whole thing done. Before all of that was in the fall before all that was going to happen. But I thought I had, t- I thought I had more time to get the whole list done because so I go and see the, so I go see the guys in um, July that year it was actually my bachelor party. They played at, in Portland, Maine with third, on that tour with third eye blind, the, the which we don't need to talk right, about right. all <laughs> of that stuff, but, um, but um, so Jim is, you know, on stage and he's talking about, yeah, we have our, our new albums going to come out this summer. So I was like, great, or, or it's coming out this fall. So I was like, great, awesome. Like I have time, I have a plenty of time to finish this. So like I'm methodically kind of working on it. July goes by, August goes by, and then we get into late September. There's still no, there's still no announcement for an album. I'm like, well, there's no way the album's going to come out before like mid November or late November at yeah. this point, whatever. And then I, I know this because it's in the piece. September twenty third, I think they put out officially the video for All the Way Stay, and they say the album's coming out on October fifteenth or <laughs> October eighteenth. And I'm like nowhere close to being done with this. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my whole grand plan, and people in my life know that I'm working on this and like, uh, that I had it planned for this, whatever. So I had so I had a decision to make. It was either I rush through trying to finish all of the and all of the capsule entries, all of the blurbs, and not do it the way that I want, or I try to at least get the first half done and get that out the door and then try to take maybe a couple months to try to get to, to try to finish the 50 to one. So that's what I ended up doing. And I think it ends up reading better anyway. I mean, it's like, you know, it's super, it's crazy long. Like I said, it's 21,000 words. Like yeah. I'm completely nu- I'm completely nuts for doing this. Like seriously, like what's wrong <laughs> with me? But, but, but I, um, so, so I think it ended up working out better the that way. Um, But I had to make a decision About the surviving songs And I just decided that You know what This list is baked Like I knew I know what I want to do I just am gonna I'm gonna leave those songs out Other than the two songs That at that point Had already been out By the time I made That that was Love never had already been out For like a year Right And then And all the way stay So um, At some point I probably will update this I just don't really know I don't know what the right thing To do is if I wanted to do it in shorter time frame, and like a, like if I wanted to do it sooner, I could update it like maybe a year after the next album. If there's an album this year, which we're not really sure. Right. Maybe, maybe it could be more the beginning of next year. Again, we are on the three year cycle right, this right. year and we have a new song and the album's probably going to be called something loud or, or whatever. That's what they're calling the tour. So that's probably what the album's going to be called, but we don't know. And, you know, the band plays the band, you know, plays stuff close to the close to the ch- uh, close to the vest about that. So um, so if the album comes out, let's say let's say they stick with it, it comes out in the fall. It comes out in fall this year. Would I maybe I would update it at the beginning of or the like the end of 2023 or the beginning of 2024. So I'm not making any promises, but I'm just saying, like, if I was going to, that might be the most reasonable time to do it but maybe i wait even longer maybe i wait maybe i wait for there to be more albums to come out or or but i don't know it's hard to it's hard to say i definitely do want to update it i feel like the songs from surviving definitely deserve their placements in the list i will say that like right now you know my favorite songs from Surviving are probably the title. The two songs I was talking about there uh-huh. were probably the t- were the title track and Delivery. Those were yeah. probably the two the two that I would put in the top fifty. I would actually that was three years ago that I said that, or almost three years ago. I would actually probably say now that that's true, but I would probably also have t- five 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 at the top fifty. Also, wow. Um, and then just because it's such a departure, it's so different yeah. for them. And then. You know, the only song and again, I hate honing in on the stuff on albums and things that I don't really like. The only song on that album that doesn't work for me is Criminal Energy. It's fun live. It's a rocker, but there's just not a lot to it. And that's not and again, they we're talking. We've always been a lot about the sort of clarity or bleed American-ness of each album. Like surviving is a is in the, you know, bleed American phylum. I know you guys kind of talk about it like winter records versus summer records. Right. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Like surviving is like a summer is, is a, is like a, is like a summer record technically. And so I get the inclusion of a song like criminal energy, but I just, it doesn't do a lot for me, but the, but the rest of the songs could all easily be in the top hundred in my opinion. Um, That's yeah. Great record. I love survive. It's awesome
1: yeah it is uh and listening to it i remember we listened i I just wore out i mean it, if, if it was a physical album <laughs> I, I wore it out because we david I, and i, I went know. to the tour out here in la um mm-hmm. uh, so we saw them um we i don't think i don't even remember staying for third eye blind i, I think we just <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird because i'm like i to to me music is an experience and i think we stayed for yeah. a couple of songs and i we just kind of bounced but um that's what I remember anyway, it was uh, what that was three years ago, practically, yeah, that we were doing that uh but I did I remember listening to that album so much, uh, and it's also nice to be able to go back and I don't know if you uh, it seems like you have that you're a fan of data, but I look back on my last fM I've been scrobbling for since two thousand and seven, and I can go back and tell you which months I listened to surviving, which songs I listened to the most yeah uh, because my i'll I'll tell you something and it's it's going to be you know, what I feel in that moment. I may like, I don't know if I've ever liked diamond. I really don't. Yeah. But then I could go back and look, Oh, I listened to it 30 times. What was I, you know, maybe in that (laughs) moment. uh, And, and that can kind of apply to so many other, of their albums, you know, going back to our, what we were saying about like times of the year that you could listen to these, um, there's maybe I just get on a surviving kick or it's that perfect time of summer where, you know what, I'm out at the lake or something and I'm put on surviving and it's like now I'm back into this for the next month, um, which is exciting, especially with something loud coming out, them touring, they're, they're doing their UK Europe tour, yeah. uh, they play, they put it into their set list. Um, yep. I, I love them teasing when I asked him about making new music. And he if you if you watch the video of Jim, he smiles when he says there's, you know, there's stuff coming out. Definitely yeah. new music. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, it's yeah. it's really neat to talk with like we're part of the discord talk with other hardcore fans who have been with the band back into the the, the bulletin board days. You know, so they're on yeah. they're, they're on that. Um, And mm-hmm. just how the band will go through teasing and and put stuff out. So I yeah, I don't know there's still, we've still got a few months for them to put an album out. It could be like their, their fall release, like they normally do. Um, but you've already said your, your projections on it. Um, do you think though, do you think they'll finally have a Tom song on this new album?
2: (laughs) Um, gosh, that's, that is so hard to, to predict and say, I mean, again, I, I, um, I, I had, I had this awesome experience meeting Tom in 2007. Um, I was in college at the time and this is in the piece. I, I asked him, you know, cause this is 2007. I think this is for the action needs an audience blurb. I asked him like, Hey, you know, you haven't had a song in a while. Why haven't you had a song? And he said, well, it's kind of the band policy that like, if I, you know, you, if you write a song, you get to sing it. So I kind of have a hard time believing that in 23 years, Tom has written one song. Yeah. Like, I just think that there's gotta be more than that. I, my, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, no, probably we will not get a Tom song at this record. Cause I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to disappoint myself thinking that there will be <laughs> one. Um, I would love there to be another Tom, to be another Tom song that we get one um, sooner rather than later. But I, I've, I've kind of learned not to get my hopes up about that. So I'm going to say probably not. And, but if there is, there is one, I'll be pleasantly surprised.
1: Right. I, I, you know, and, and having the last song be action needs an audience at least, at least, if if you know, let's say the future of the band, it, it, it's uncertain. Um, wh- what Tom's going to be doing uh, and what role Jim is going to play in music, uh, but the fact that they've gone out with that he's gone out with "Action Needs an Audience"
2: is what a great song for him to Absolutely. end on. Such a great riff, <laughs> yeah, that's a great one, yeah, and yeah, I don't know, like um, they they are that you kind of bring up an interesting question that's hard to kind of answer, which is like. This band, these guys have just kept going and, and it's amazing the clip that they've been doing it at. And they've, yeah. they found they around the time of, I would say, you know, the, the chase, this light touring cycle. And then into in 2009, when they did the clarity, the, the clarity times 10 retrospective tour, which I'm so lucky that I got to see that, um, th- that show in, in Boston when they came, um, and then, you know, invented after that, they really hit a groove with who they 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 were finally comfortable with who they were as a band, and the fact that they were going to sell out, you know, good sized theaters. They could they could be close to sort of headlining on on festivals, draw big crowds there. But like just kind of settling into this this band that they're going to come around to your town every three or four years, and they're going to play all the songs that you love and they're going to, but they're going to keep challenging themselves musically and they're going to keep doing all these things. You know, these guys have, they're much, they're they're different. They're obviously very different people than they were when they recorded Anderson Mesa in in 19, in the summer of 95. And yeah, I just, I don't know what the future holds for these guys, but they, but they've been, they've just been so consistent. These guys have other things that they're interested in. Obviously Zach has a lot of different interests Um, and Jim really likes coffee. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I, um, you know, like, I don't know I'm not sure what the future holds I I right. don't like to speculate I just like To think that these guys are going to be around forever Right and that they're just going to keep doing this and Every three years they're going to come out with a new record And I'll get yeah. to see them live I you know and, But but I don't know I, I don't I right. don't Know but but the bottom line is, is that They have no matter if they stop Today they le- they've left behind An unbelievable body of work Absolutely. That will be there for people No matter what um, through the rest of Through the rest of time um, people that, that want to know what guitar rock music was like in the 90s, 2000s, 2010s. And now this is, I mean, this is the fourth, this, the, the something loud coming out represents the fourth different decade that they've put out fucking kick-ass. Yeah. music. It's yeah. amazing. How many, how many, again, how many bands can say this? Not many, not right. many. can say. Right. And they, they're
1: hitting, I mean, if, if Jim, if, if, as long as they seem happy and they're putting out consistent music, yeah, I'm all for it. You're right. We could speculate and, and, and uh, guess all day on what's going to happen, but as long as they're happy in what they're doing, if if it's going to be uh, Rick pursuing a you know a business with spirits and making his own, which, which I still have a bottle of the, his vodka that I oh, have, yeah? still have an open, yeah. <laughs> um, and then if it's Tom traveling, or if, if if Jim just sitting there by himself in the studio, or if it's Zach with his family and following his son yeah. playing baseball across you know the country, yeah. Uh, as long as they can baseball come back, family, uh huh, yeah. <laughs> and uh you know as long as they can come back and and make good music i think everyone's going to be happy um and i i asked them the questions like do you guys still get around you know and jam and i'm sure there's a certain level of it but they've gotten to a point where they know their skill set they've got they've got these these tools now they've got axe effects it's not like they have to Mm -hmm. travel around with all this stuff so it's much more it's they've trimmed all the fat and uh, and again, it goes back to them being happy. If they're happy being a band, if Jim's happy writing songs, then you know the fans are going to love anything they put out. I mean, we're just like no chomping question. at the bit and just drooling over any little thing they're giving,
2: giving exactly. us exactly. No question. Absolutely, yeah. you've hit the nail on that <laughs> with, with with the way that I think the fans react to what they do. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well,
1: Jake, is there anything else that you wanted to say about the band, or or any other any of the things you wanted to say? about these four gentlemen well five now <laughs> yeah
2: well i mean i know i know that you guys this this was going to be the anderson mesa episode and, and i did just kind of want to mention just on on that song so that song's pretty high on my list um it's you know 15 number 15 yeah yeah and i know that i kind of um the one that the one thing i knocked the song for a little bit in my entry was the lyrics and um it is kind of a lot of it's the same stuff over and over again but it's but there's more prof- profundity i guess you could say in it than i than maybe i give it credit for um, i just think like you listen to a song like that and first off like the fact that they were like 19 20 years old and they wrote this song is amazing the second thing is that i just don't know in 1995 that there were punk bands like putting out like recording songs with like with like a you know string quartet as right. part of their song like that seems almost sort of cliche now that I feel like there are a lot of bands that do this. I just don't know in 1995 that anybody was really doing that, that was playing that style of music. Like certainly Green Day wasn't. There's no there's no string quartet right. on Dookie. <laughs> I mean, you know, and and uh, so, so I think that they show just like this incredible level of, of depth with this song. And it's a song that no matter how many times I listen to it, it's still it still makes the, I listened to it a bunch like this, you know, over this week uh, or the last week or so sort of getting ready uh, to, to chat with you about it. And um, it's just amazing and really special that they, that these guys were able to make a song at, at their age that sounded like this, that was, this just, It was almost like they were inventing a new genre of music with this, with this song, really, honestly, it's like, it's, and it's the, the stuff that really carried them through clarity, and and the sort of level of depth and and going deeper than just doing punk rock and just do it or just doing you know pop punk like and and trying to be an emo band um and of course it it's an has a really important place in the band's history as the first sort of of, of the, the the line of of epic closing right. songs that became uh, very quickly became their hallmark and i think that they Um, You know, Anderson Mesa is almost as good as, you know, is, is I think I have at least two of the other, you know, I definitely have one, but I, I, I have one other of the closers, I think slightly ahead of, of that, of, of Anderson Mesa on the list, but it definitely like, you know, it was the first, it was Anderson Mesa crawled so that goodbye Sky Harbor could walk so that my, so that my sundown could run. So 23 could could win the marathon, right, you know, yeah. like it's, that's, that's just kind of like the, the, right. the, how, how the important place that Anderson Mesa has in there, in their lineage. So, um, but as far as this band goes, like I said, I wrote the piece because I wanted people to know what this band meant to me and, and why they were so important to me through the years. Um And I'm really thankful for the fact that obviously that it has resonated, that it has continued to have a shelf life um that people are still referring to it, that, you guys i i'll be honest so you know when you guys asked me to be on the podcast i hadn't i was aw- certainly aware of what you guys were doing but i hadn't really listened to it uh-huh. and so and then i start listening and all of a sudden i realize, like oh my god like I'm almost like a I'm almost like a a, a running character in in you this absolutely podcast that you are. guys have had. <laughs> and it's like amazing and my wife thinks it's hilarious that you call me Jake T O'Donnell the whole <laughs> time and I think it's kind of funny I, technically that is I guess my online name right you know because like my my Twitter my Instagram you know my website it's all that right Um, but it's just it's, it's but here's here's what Jake T O'Donnell has to say but it's just yeah, and it's then exactly you guys have David this like it. little game where you're where you where he makes you yeah, guess the yeah. number like it's just awesome. Like I, so I love, I just am so thankful and so grateful that a, that, you know, you guys find what I've written, you know, worthy enough to be part of this project. Um, but also just that, yeah, that like that this resonated with people, you know, I got, you know, I, I had tried to, when I, when it first came out, I tried to spread it around a little bit. and I know that you know Ian Cohen gave it a gave it a nice plug and has given me a couple of nice plugs. And Zach did liked one of the tweets that I sent that I, you know, did to promote it at the beginning, and that was a big deal too. I obviously I know that he's he you know appreciated it. I don't know if the guys in the band have, have read it or are aware of it beyond that. I know that the thing is is that you know, not like the piece is not always a hundred percent complimentary of the band. I try to be again, I'm still a journalist at heart. Sure. Um, and I try to be objective about some things, about a lot of things. It's like, it's hard for me to be objective about this band, but, um, but I'm, I'm thankful that you guys, um, again, that you, you find it useful, um, that you, that if I write something, you, you know, something that I, whatever I've written about a a track is, is part of this, um, you know, part of this history that you guys are compiling. It means a lot to me. Um, and I'm, I'm like, like I said, it's just, it was amazing over the last few weeks, as I've kind of gone through the podcast you guys have done, to hear my name come up over <laughs> and over and over and over again, it was just—it's really flattering, and I really appreciate it. And I'm—I'm I'm so thankful and grateful that you guys are doing this for this band that you and me and David and and so many other people know completely deserve this this level of treatment and and um. And I, like I said, I'm really thankful that uh, to be part of it. Uh, yeah, part of it alongside you guys.
1: Well, yeah, thank you for saying that. Anytime he he says, "Well, Jake T. O'Donnell's got something to say about this one." Uh, it's always a treat to listen to him read off what you yeah. have because we'll <laughs> I'll go through and I'll, I'll I'll I've visited a link before, like on Absolute Punk or now I guess Chorus FM. But like Craig mm-hmm. Manning will write something about futures, and he'll write this beautiful yeah. story of his of his first introduction to this. And it's like a, a tearjerker of a story really well-written. And then he'll do a little <laughs> bit of a blurb on like the couple of the songs as he does them in chronological order. But what's nice about yours is yours. Each one is a little tiny story in and of itself. And yeah. so it's always going to be different. It's not like, Oh, this is what Anderson Mesa is like, but you talk about um, uh, Zach told Ian Cohen that he wears uh, that he hears static prevails and he compares it to looking at a past version of himself wearing a Jimmy Z hat. You know, yeah.
2: like, it like makes you chuckle a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. Like I said, I tried, I did a lot of research for, for this. Like I tried to make sure that I was, you know, if there was an interesting quote somewhere or I could find a fact or that kind of thing, um, you know, I would try to make sure that I include, I included it in that piece. And they, you know, as you can see, obviously as the, as things go along, the the I have progressively more to say about right. each song. And then, you know, it's it's the paragraphs start to get longer and longer. And then the top five, I think five, four, three, and two, I think it's three paragraphs and then the, the, the number one song, which you guys have already done yeah. 23, I wrote five paragraphs right. um, on that. And and that's so, somewhat similar to how I structure a lot of my other lists, the, the, the year end album lists and stuff that I do where I, 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 just, you know, I obviously I have more to say uh, the more, the stronger I feel about, of course. about something, but, but I, I always, but I, I, again, it's the journalist in me that tries to get out the most, the most I can say in the shorter amount of time. There's also some influence from, you know, uh, some of the old music critics like Robert Christgau and, and people like that, that that's, that was the, and the, and the Rolling Stone capsules of, of songs. That's just kind of how they write. And that's how I tried to approach doing this as well. Um, is, you know, so, so it's just funny. It's a, tw- it's a 21,000 word piece that <laughs> it's, but, but most of what I have to say is I believe is fairly concise on most of the songs. Right. So, um, it's just kind of funny, but there's just a lot, there's a lot to say. Um, about a lot of songs and it adds up, I guess. yeah, well, as we as we highlight
1: your tracks, um as you share them with the band, I, I get it. what Jim said that he doesn't when we asked him if he listens to the podcast and he, in so many words, he just said, why would I listen to you talking about me? you know <laughs> right I get it it makes I mean it makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, but the fans, the fans are the people who get the most of yeah. from what this is. and us as passionate fans, it's it's not our duty but it's what we feel needs to be done um just to show our love for the band uh and having something like this blog is just it's been it's been such a a wonderful part of our podcast and our podcast in the whole scope of the band i mean we're all just we're all just showing the love for these guys that uh that have been making music for 30 plus years and
4: and and
2: like you said damn good music at that oh man (laughs) <laughs> so good. And then they're, and yeah, they're still going, they're still yeah. making it happen. They're still rocking and they, yeah, they don't seem to be showing signs of slowing down. And that's the thing that we can, yeah, we can certainly appreciate as fans. No question about that. Um
1: Well, yeah. before we, we kind of sign off here, it, it sounds like you did a lot more research on Anderson Mason. Was there any other things, items that you wanted to bring up about that track?
2: Um, You know, I think I, I said most of it. It's just, it's, it's, there's stuff in the, um, and I don't know, again, uh, I'm not sure if you guys will get to this in the podcast or, you know, you know, have already talked about it And there's a few mentions of the song in, in the, in Dan Ozzie's book. Um, you know, specifically the, the last lines of the song are, are direct references to Jim's um, uh, dorm at North Arizona right. university that he had with Jeremy Yochum. Um And I just, I just wanted to point this out that, The my one of my possibly my I know, like I said, I kind of, I kind of you know, dissed the lyrics to the song a little bit in my piece, but the more I read them and the more I looked at them, one of my what an all time Jimmy World lyrical flex is that the final word of the last song of their first album is the. (laughs) (laughs)
6: it's just he
2: just lets the he lets the guitars finish the 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 he lets the guitars finish the 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 lyric for him right yeah it's it is such a flex like these guys are 20 like who the fuck did they think they are like that's how (laughs) they decide to end this album is just duh like that's the last the last word on the album (laughs) i just think that's amazing and i it took me a long time to realize that that was that that was the line um but yeah no it's it's a great like i said it's a great song all these years later it still is amazing to to listen to and and like i said i still get chills listening yeah. to it it's it is such a a be- a truly beautiful piece of music that those guys created at such a young age it's a, right it's incredible
1: <laughs> well i can't i can't not refer to you as jake t o'donnell it's just it's stuck in my <laughs> <That's> mind <fine. laughs> I've so, been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so we, you have the blog, you have your Twitter. Yeah. Is like, where mm-hmm. where can people find stuff? Is there any other place that people can find more information on you and what you do?
2: Um, I don't know that people really need to know more information about me and what <laughs> oh, I know. Come like, on, yeah. So, like, so my blog again, jktodonnell.wordpress.com. I don't write in it as much as I would like to. I. Probably around the time this goes up, I will have posted a playlist of my 15 favorite songs of the year so far. Um, I usually do that right around July 1st every year. Um, I can tell you right now that something loud will definitely be yeah. on that, that list. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Twitter, Jake T. O'Donnell. Most of my most of my tweets are are about uh, Are about are about the <laughs> yeah they're mostly about the Red Sox and the Celtics. Um, and other things in that, in those areas, um, on Instagram, same thing, Jake T. O'Donnell, I do these weekly videos where I open old packs of baseball cards and talk about people in the, talk about, uh, you know, who, who's in the packs, but what I like to do for those. And I started doing that in the, a few months ago is that I like to highlight a different, um, uh, you know, good cause or, cause like, I kind of felt bad. I'm like, okay, why am I, I'm spending money on these, like going on eBay and but not like a ton of money, but sure you know, buying these old packs of baseball cards, I should try to talk about something worthwhile on these. So it's not just me yammering about baseball players from the early nineties. Um, and so I always try to like highlight a, a cause or, or some kind of nonprofit or charity to try to do that. And I'll just mention the last one that I, that I did, the one that I did, la- uh, you know, the, the week before we're recording this, I mentioned um, a, a, a charity called the Trevor, the Trevor project. And they are a an organization that helps um, LGBTQ uh, youths with, uh, you know, with mental health services and suicide prevention services, which is obviously a major problem um, in our society. And they're doing a, um, a bunch of artists have a, uh, like Julian Baker and MJ Lenderman and the band Wednesday and Faye Webster. They just recently uh, put out a compilation to benefit that project called Through the Soil 2. There was a Through the Soil 1, which was for a different cause last year. I think it was to help musicians through COVID. Um, So I just wanted to mention that. And that's just the kind of thing that I, that I always try to like, uh, you know, if I have, and I appreciate this opportunity, obviously to come on and chat with you. I just think that it's important. Anytime you have a platform that you reach people, right. I, I think it's important to highlight, um, good causes and things that you believe in. And so that's what I've tried to do with these, my Instagram videos where I, where I open packs of baseball cards and, um, you know, you know, like I said, just mentioning that from, from the previous week, but, um, but those are the main avenues that you can find me. Otherwise I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a retired journalist. I, my name was out there. It used to be out there more for, for stuff like that. Now I'm um you know in a different world professionally but i still you know and and again i i had no expectation when i wrote the top jimmy Eat world top 100 that it would uh, resonate that people would care about it that people would like it but i i kind of got a, like really immediate like a lot of really great feedback and there were reddit threads about it and all this kind of stuff and i just was like i was kind of blown away um and also like i have friends and you you mentioned the old message board the old bulletin boards those kinds of things i was on those back in the day i was i was part of that community and i still have people that you know from online that i that follow me on twitter or that i still yeah. interact with that that i think kind of helped push that around as well too so um so I'm, I'm thankful for them. Um, that was, that was man. The, the old message board back in the day was, was a lot of fun. It was great. And it's sad that that stuff all kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, but we had, we, there was, cause that would just be like a gold mine for you guys of the yep. stuff that you do. Cause like every one of these songs was talked about ad nauseum on that. Right. And it was, and there were old versions and it was, and and Jim and Zach would come on all, all a lot of times and chat <laughs> with us. And I think occasionally Tom, maybe every now and then, but yeah, um, Yeah, that was those were great times back then. This was like, you know, the pre social media days like this was just it was just kind of what you had. Um, But anyway, so so that kind of helped push things, push that out there a little bit, too. But I am uh, besides writing those things and being uh, a minor character on a podcast, uh, (laughs) those are that's kind of most most of the story about me. So well, you're doing, I mean, you you have a lot
1: of uh, skills under your belt or, or, you know, um (laughs) And you're doing a lot of things, but even what you're describing with with bringing light to these organizations and and uh, not just opening up baseball cards, but doing it with with, you know, something else attached to it. That's that's helping people. You're you're a great human being. Um, Well, thank you, you very much. You love the you love the right band and <laughs> uh, well
2: that that much is true <laughs> that i can't disagree
5: with yeah, yeah.
1: and uh we can't uh, we all, i mean i can't wait to hear out even after the podcast is done your name um in, in in the future with with whatever it is that you decide to do with surviving and this future album and the next yeah. future album in 2025 yeah, um we'll, we'll you know we'll all be waiting for it uh and we'll be we'll just excited to share it and read it uh so thank you for coming on And, uh, and and we appreciate your time, man. You got it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks. Mm